Welcome, welcome. Everybody, another glorious day with another glorious dollar to another episode of Spit Talking, episode six. We're going to get off, start and talk about a little bit of boxing. Um, so, you know, just kind of our assessment of what we thought over the fight over the weekend. Um, you know, JP, I mean, we'll, you know, with Spence going through everything that he went through with the accident and everything and recovering for that. Like, you know, mm -hmm. what would you think? Earl Spence came back and showed y'all why he's really the man at 147. <laughs> After a terrible car accident against a tough opponent who only had two losses against tough fighters because he's a guy that actually fights people, unlike somebody else, came back. Hold and up, hold up, hold up. Who, who, who's we, this somebody else? You know you who I'm about? talking about. I, I, I don't think they know who We talking about, about Bud. Oh. And we ain't talking about the dude from the Huxtable show. <laughs> so what is Bud's name? Terrence oh, Crawford. So anyway, <laughs> I was thoroughly impressed, seriously, by how Spence came back and fought. And uh he really showed some of his skills. You can see he was missing out on a couple little things such as maybe his power on some of his on some of his uh on some of his throws. Um, I was a little worried about what his face was going to um, be like because it was really messed up after the accident, if he was going to bleed, um, any, anything extra, things like that. Mm -hmm. He was off just a little bit on certain things, but he's, man, he's so powerful, and he just showed you know, his great skills of boxing yeah. against a great fighter, man. And, yeah. and I was thoroughly impressed. You know, not to be funny or anything. And, uh, you know, he talked about after this fight, getting back to a nutritionist and actually getting back with another trainer. He's been doing a lot of things himself. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I was just thoroughly, thoroughly surprised and happy with where, the way Earl came back and really fought. Yeah. And I mean, just watching the fight, because, you know, like, I, like I've said before and, you know, in earlier episodes, like, you know, I'm not huge into boxing, you know, that that kind of stage of boxing kind of left me decades ago. But yeah. um, I did enjoy watching the fight. Uh, one, just watching Spence's dominance over the fight. I mean, like Garcia, I kept hearing about, you know, how much of a counterpuncher he is and everything yeah. like that. And I felt like just throughout the fight, he was just waiting for the right opportunity to find that one counterpunch. And mm -hmm. it just never came. Um, I think he kind of shocked himself a couple of times because he kind of, he gave Earl a couple of good hits, but he didn't rock him the way he thought he wanted <laughs> right. to. Because it's like, right. you know, when you're in a, you know, a fist fight with those are people who've been in fights before, you know, when you get hit, sometimes a motherfucker will hit you <laughs> and it lets you know you need to back the fuck up. <laughs> yeah. Because the next one might slide your ass. Yeah, you got to get your brain together right. a little bit. Because, I mean, you know, when I looked at Spence and a couple of the punches that Garcia landed, it kind of was like, you know, I kind of slid it off, I hit it, but I'm going right back at his ass. So yeah. Garcia never really kind of gave him that punch to get him to back his ass to fuck up. And I felt like Spence did a great job keeping the fight aggressive on Garcia yeah. to the point where I, you know, I kind of kept laughing at his corner man you know was his dad and he was like come on man like you know you let him bring the fight to you you gotta yeah. take the fight to him Yeah. and I think that's just where you know Garcia went wrong but I mean for a nigga that, who was in a bad car accident yeah. that motherfucker got that shit and, and to and I put everything on Earl, kind of what you said for me. I think Danny is a great fighter. I actually think he needs to get away from his dad managing him. His dad really doesn't come with any counters in any of his major fights that he lost against Thurman or Porter. He really doesn't come back with anything, you know, to say to his son except for, hey, go attack. He doesn't give him, you know, hey, let's stick and jab, let's move, let's counter this, let's do that. He just kind of thinks his son is, you know, just powerful and just going to move through everything. Right. And at 147, 154 man it's it's dogs out here it definitely is what's your perception on um with sean porter's comments from the fight because i know i kept hearing him saying that he's technically the mandatory number one 
Yeah, Sean Porter, you know, hey, everybody's seen, well, I ain't going to say everybody, but those who have seen that Spence and Porter fight, man, that was a toe-to-toe classic where Porter, I mean, where Spence said, I'm going to do something different. I'm going to stand toe-to-toe with the big, with the big bad wolf and see and show everybody something different I could do. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, Porter, Porter, one, deserves it. Two, he wants that money. He yeah. know Earl right now is bringing that money. So, um, again, we'll go into with the promoters and boxing and, and things like that, uh, just kind of getting off of the Sean Porter thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Spence or Crawford really didn't speak on each other after their fights. And I think I think they're getting more tired of talking about it than the public is actually. Mm-hmm. So basically, what you're saying is you're ready to see Crawford Spence. I think the world is ready to see that. I think boxing really needs that fight right now. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, I shouldn't say unfortunately, but I think really the promotion wise, I think it's going to end up being Terrence Crawford versus Manny Pacquiao. Mm. Um, and you could see uh, how, how fucking old is Manny Pacquiao? Now? Hey, he, hey, man, he just he won the chip off of Keith Thurman, man. So he he holds a belt. So uh, I mean, and he's still a money he's still a money man. Yeah, so you know, fucking Filipino, <laughs> fifty years old, still fighting like he's thirty eight. Hey, so. hey, hey! If you, I mean, if you listen to what Floyd said, he back on that juice, baby. If you on that juice, you can do whatever you want. Manny wasn't doing a whole lot of nothing. Right. All of a sudden, he got that power back, and he got a whole lot back. But uh, you know, besides that, I, I don't think you're gonna see that Earl Spence in, in in Crawford fight anytime soon. Like I said, it might be a year and a half, two years away, and to the point to where they're even sick of top and sick and tired of talking about it. Mm-hmm. So, um, to get to something different. Let's talk about these old fighters. Yeah, we'll say well, from from my understanding that I'm hearing is that uh, Tyson Holyfield may actually happen again thirty years later. Uh, <laughs> kind of wondering how Vander feels about his ear and everything, mm. and you know, kind of going into that fight. I mean, I me personally, I felt Evander was a better fighter. Mm-hmm. Uh, to me, Mike Tyson's still a world-class puncher, a brawler. Yeah. But I felt like Evander Holyfield was tagging his ass, yeah. and it kind of goes back to what we were talking about with. He didn't, before Tyson never really caught a lot of those punches to say back yeah. the fuck up because he was always the wolf hunting. Mm-hmm. So sometimes once the wolf runs into somebody that slaps the fuck out of him, yeah. now you got to see what kind of nigga you really are. And I think Tyson met his match with Holyfield because Holyfield was taking the punches, but Holyfield was giving that shit back to his ass. Yeah. And you kind of seen Tyson fold a little bit and then he got hungry and bit the nigga ear. It's kind of come back to Tyson's own language. Everybody got a plan until you get hit in the mouth. Very true. Especially <laughs> repeatedly. <laughs> so, but actually with that, I, I think we've talked about this before, maybe just not on the pod, was Holyfield was one of the first people to really figure out Mike Tyson. Oh, yeah. After Customato died, he didn't move his head as much, right. moving side to side. It was actually on film to where Holyfield said he could time when Mike was going to stop. Mm-hmm. So he said, okay, I was counting in my head of when Mike's bops, and when he, I knew when he would stop, I would attack. Mm-hmm. So, you know, just those little things. But now them being, uh, I don't get me off the top of my thing, Mike is 54. Mike's 50, 53, 54. And Holyfield is. Holyfield might be damn near about 57. 57, 58. 60. <laughs> it, it was just funny how, and Evander made this point that he wanted to fight Mike Tyson. Yeah. Uh, and we all kind of know Evander's he's financial. 58. 58. Okay, yeah. he's 58. We all kind of know Evander's financial. Let's let's be clear here. <laughs> Evander been doing a lot of fucking. <laughs> and Evander got a lot of kids. <laughs> so his financial situation is a little different. And he just seen that we all seen that Mike is still a pay-per-view draw. He did that. 
That fight did 1.5 million pay-per-view buys. Mm. That's not counting everything else because Lord knows everybody was streaming and doing all kind of other things off that fight. Mm. So 1.5 million pay-per-view buys. I mean, Bud Crawford can't do that now. He's one of the best fighters in the world, supposedly. Mm -hmm. And I think just... It, it kind of goes back to the old generation, kind of before us and a little bit before us, because, you know, we're in our 30s, respectively. I'm 34. <coughs> um, I ain't going to speak on Jeff's age. That's between, <laughs> between him. <laughs> but, um, you know, it, it's just good to kind of get back to the names that you know, the household names that you grew up on, that everybody was excited about having yeah. fight parties and things like that. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, just to get a chance to kind of see what they still got left in the tank. It kind of goes, you know, what we were saying the last episode was, you know, just to see what kind of dog you got left in. You, yeah. can, you, can you go for one last ride? Can you train for one last ride? And I mean, Mike definitely showed the shit. Now it's time to see like, you know, what's Evander's situation? Because I know yeah. well, at one point, I think they said Evander Holyfield was paying like almost 40 grand a month in child support. Like, Ooh. he got motherfucking 11 kids, six, six or seven different women. I'm just like... 40000 a month in child support for different kids. Now, I know by now some are grown ups. I know one of his yeah. sons was in the league playing football. Yeah. I think one of his sons was running back to in Georgia or something like that. Yeah. So, you know, I, you know it's, it kind of goes back to what you say. Like, at some point, you know, you got to get a couple checks back in your pocket because, yeah. you know, his net worth obviously is taking some hits. For sure. And after a while, you kind of like, how the fuck am I going to keep paying these <laughs> chicks? Like, so. Speaking on that, the same old head. Well, not the same old head, but another dude right around that time. We talked about uh, Lennox Lewis. Yeah. I, Lennox I, Lewis. I heard he wants to fight uh, was Riddick, Big, Big Daddy Bo. <laughs> Rick, Riddick Bo might want to take about a year or two. Boy. <laughs> hey, man, I ain't going to lie. I was riding down the streets of D.C. one time. That Bama had on a uh, white fur coat. Uh. It, was, it was about beige, though. Was it pink? I, it was, I don't know what it was. It was, man. It was supposed to be white. It was beige. Damn. It, he was doing bad then. I don't, I don't even know what Bo looked like right now, but... <laughs> But, you know, that's that's another fight from back in the day where everybody thought Lennox Lewis was just going to come in and dominate. And, mm -hmm. and as you always say, you like to, you know, give those old uh, uh, adages, any day somebody can get knocked out or Very take true. one punch or, Very you true. know, one something like that. And that's basically what happened. Rick Bo came out and just surprised him that night. So right. he still want that payback. Very true, and I think it, it. I feel like it's it's good for boxing. Like it, it's good publicity. It's it's really good marketing because it's going to draw more and more people and fans yeah. to watch. So then it's like as they try to sell little tidbits and promote, you know, other fights going on in there as you watch it. And you're just like, oh well, let me see how this guy's doing. Or let me do my research and check this out. So that way it kind of draws the fan back to boxing because I know there are people who are still thorough in boxing, but there's a lot of people who kind of been like, fuck boxing. They done moved yeah. on to UFC. For and sure, and it was, and like UFC kind of had me when it first came out because you know you had your Forrest Griffins and yeah. you know those guys who were constantly a lot fighting of big each names, other. Yeah. yeah, and they were constantly fighting each other. Yeah, and it's just like now when boxing, like I'm kind of listening to you know some <laughs> of you guys and some other friends are just like, yeah, you watch the fight, and I'm like, for what? <laughs> right, what the fuck, I want to watch this shit for. Uh -huh. So it was kind of refreshing to watch the Earl Spence fight okay. and just to see like a good, you know, uh, tactician fight, you know, the guy, you know, just being aggressive, working the jab, working the combinations, constantly staying on Garcia's ass, which it, it kind of um, jumped out to my attention. The other guy, uh, Sebastian Fedora or Fundora, six, 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 a hundred and. 50 pounds. I don't even know if he's 150. I think he was like 135. The funny thing is his name is the fucking Towering Inferno. And mm. I know the the minute or two that I caught of the fight, he yeah. was whooping that man's ass. Yeah, he, he, And I mean, to have somebody that fucking <laughs> tall just dropping bombs on you. And after a while, I think his corner stopped the fight and was like, look, bro, we got to get you the fuck out of there because he's kicking your ass. Yeah. And I mean, like, that aspect of boxing is kind of like what I grew up on to where it wasn't necessarily the... 
tactical part of boxing, it was more brawls. And yeah. I mean, I think that's kind of what everybody was kind of really in love with boxing before because you go toe-to-toe, blow-for-blow. Mm-hmm. That's what you were paying to see. That's why you were paying $55 on your fucking cable bill to watch a toe for, you know, a toe-to-toe brawl. Mm-hmm. And that just kind of gave me like a good a good feel watching that. So I'm kind of curious to see how that kid does moving forward. Um, no, I mean, I think at that weight class, he might be the tallest boxer in... And don't quote me on it, but he might be the tallest boxer in uh, the history of that weight class. Because I wow. think I think he's fighting at like one twenty six, one thirty five, and he's six foot six. That's just crazy. That's like, what the what the fuck diet is he on? <laughs> like, I mean, how the hell do you stay so fucking thin at six six? Yeah, that's crazy. But since we're talking about fighting, mm. and we was talking about money, mm. when it comes to both of those, we can only talk about one man in the history of boxing, and we got to talk about Floyd. Money Mayweather. So let me ask you this. Do you feel like <laughs> with Floyd accepting the fight with Jake Paul, do you uh-huh. feel like this is a classic situation of Nate Robinson got humiliated so bad, yeah. I got to go out and spank the neighborhood bully? Um, I think Floyd, I, that could be part of it. Mm-hmm. I think the other part is Floyd said, you know what? I see what Mike did, and I see what this internet guy did, because mm-hmm. he is an internet star. Right. He said, I might as well cash in, too. Very true. And he, this dude really thinks he can box. Mm-hmm. Now I'm going to go out here and play with him. I'm, and he probably going to play with him for a round or two. Mm-hmm. And then he's going to show him who the real dog is out here. So I feel, so at this point, is it showmanship like or is it i'm you know what you humiliated nate niggas was making memes about nate and i mean because i was definitely guilty i shared about 30 of them bitches in about an hour yeah so is it a point where floyd's gonna come out and be like i'm gonna play with you so much i'm just gonna jab you i'm a two-piece you when i see you kind of start to stumble i'm gonna back off and then beat your ass some more like is it one of those things like because i mean realistically this isn't even really a good fight for floyd i mean you you are the undefeated (laughs) champ it's not a good fight but uh, Anybody knows if Floyd knows he can make money off something, he's he gonna, gonna make, make money. money. Which is because for this fight alone, Floyd will probably pull in about twenty million. I think that's some and shit. Jake will probably get about five to seven. And I might be lowballing it, only because I don't know what you know. I mean, it's Floyd and this dude got a new name, Jake Paul, and you know, so people might actually really t- tune in. Which once it was announced, I I got a big reaction out of people. People was kind of loving it. But to get to your question. Floyd is going. Floyd is going to tinker with this dude. One, because Floyd don't want to hurt his hands. We all know he got he got uh, hand issues. Mm-hmm. And then you know, two, yeah, to to go out here and just say, man, look, you really think you somebody? I'm out here toying with you, man. I'm Floyd Money Mayweather, baby. Yeah, because it, it, it's kind of funny when you sit back and you look at it and you're just like, why the fuck does Jake Paul? This is going to be what a second, third fight, like legitimate, like legitimate fight. fight yeah. And you're kind of looking at it and you like. Y'all are kind of bringing Jake Paul's name up more, so now his money's going up. Yeah. You know, his likes on social media, his marketability, all that shit is sure. going up. And it's just like, Floyd, why Jake Paul? Like, fuck Jake Paul. I mean, like, he was just trying to call out Conor McGregor. Like, I mean, like, Jake Paul at this point, I feel like you're just trying to do whatever you can to put a couple extra dollars in your pocket. Yeah, And sure. I'm not mad at you for it, because I'm like, shit, I mean, you got to eat, you got to eat. But I'm mm. like, what is Floyd really gaining out of this fight? Like why? Like what? Like fuck Jake Paul. <laughs> Just Floyd being Floyd. He won't be in that spotlight. And right now, that dude Jake Paul had, you know, he had some spotlight. Mm-hmm. So he has some some notoriety to him. And I don't know if this is going to be done under, you know, the same promotions as what Mike Tyson and them did mm-hmm. or whatever. But, you know, just to bring some more spotlight 
I think it is actually under the same uh, people mm -hmm. to bring some more spotlight under that. Have Snoop commentating. Everybody loved to have Snoop out Everybody there. Everybody was loving Snoop. That <laughs> motherfucker was hiding than a motherfucker yeah, out there. That so, motherfucker had a blunt while he was commenting. Hey, so, he had me ready to go roll a blunt. <laughs> hey, so just to go out there, you know, and, and make some money and do some things and bring some, even though it's not technically real boxing, if they want to say, but then again, them dudes ain't had no helmets on. They ain't had no headgear on. Very true. So just to bring some more notoriety to that promotion and, you know, Floyd going to cash in on some money. Very true. Um, you know, I, I kind of look forward to it. You know, I hope it definitely follows through. Um, it'll be definitely something. Like I said, just the fact that it just draws more and more fans into boxing. Like, Mark, like if you think about it, marketing-wise, boxing is doing a genius job with that, bringing more and more and more people to it. Because, you know, your older crowd, they're going to want to watch the shit. And, I mean, mm -hmm. that's exactly how a lot of the old heads was just like, anybody watching the Tyson fight? Anybody having a, a Tyson fight party? And all that. Like, it kind of made you feel like... It was 20 years ago when everybody was like, yeah, you know, who having a fight party? We getting drunk, I'm ordering food, blah, blah, blah. So, I mean, it, it was definitely some good feels, some good vibes to sit yeah. back and kind of watch that and enjoy it. So, um, you know, we look forward to that fight taking place in February. For sure. Um, transitioning on, we'll be moving on to the NBA basketball. Um, we had a the special... National basketball. We had a so special sure. question come from uh, one of our listeners, uh, Mo up in Pittsburgh. Uh, we'll say you want to elaborate a little bit on that, uh, JP, because I know he was kind of taking shots in our discussion between Wall and Westbrook, and he was kind of taking. Uh, I feel I don't want to say taking sides, but yeah. he kind of understood where I was coming from when I was basically saying fuck Derrick Rose and mm -hmm. fuck Blake Griffin. Mm -hmm. um, so I mean, you want to kind of elaborate on why you don't like Westbrook? You don't necessarily like the trade, or I'm not going to say necessarily I don't like Russell. To me, it was. Russell and Wall are almost the same player. I'll give obviously that the nudge to Russell, but for me as a Wizards fan, uh, if we're not competitive by the All Star break, they're breaking all this up anyway. So for me, it's why hang on to Russ's contract with three years left if we could have went and got two players to bring almost just as much stats, but fill two positions that we actually needed and actually lose a year on a contract and we could start rebuilding faster if we had to. But if we didn't have to rebuild, we could still keep those players. But if we have to rebuild, we could start a year earlier because Blake Giffen and them's contract was up a year earlier. So it was, and if we're not competitive by all-star break, we're trading Bradley Beal. He's gone. Hmm. So now you're talking about Beal's gone and we got Russ and what we going to get for that? Now I'll take, and getting off into something different, but that's just, I'll take what the Nets trade kind of looked like. Which was what? Which would you would get uh, Dinwiddie. Mm -hmm. uh, what's the other little boy out there? The the two guard or whatever his name is. I don't know um, exactly his name. And then you would get the twenty twenty three first round pick and a twenty twenty five first round Levert. Uh, so okay. you would get Dinwiddie, Levert, a first round in twenty twenty three, and a first round in twenty twenty five. So, you know, I would take that to fit in with to fit in with Russ because you got a shooter. Oh, and and they was going to add in the boy Allen, uh, the the power forward slash center. Okay. The the young boy, I believe he played at Texas. Okay. So, I would have took those three pieces and the two first round picks later on, you know, but I'm just talking about on some rebuilding type of thing. Mm -hmm. But if it I not to say I don't like Russ and I don't like what Russ stands for. I like Russ. I just don't know how him and Beal are going to click and you know, like I said, if we're not winning by All-Star break, all this is for none anyway. 
So what about with the continuity that he has or the relationship with uh, Scott Brooks? Because I know Brooks had him out in Oklahoma City. Mm -hmm. And I guess when I look at it, it's because I know we also had our small dialogue and debate just between Russ and, and, and Wall, period. And, you know, we all know Wall hasn't necessarily played in the last two years. Russ has played the last four years. He's had some nagging injuries here and there. But at the same time, you're bringing in an MVP caliber player. So one is going to mm -hmm. help make your city a little more marketable. Like people love DC. Don't get it twisted, mm -hmm. but it's going to make you guys more marketable. And there might be one or two players that, you know, you can kind of finesse to come in to play with Russ in DC based on whatever, um, you know, the, the makeup is going to be down there. Cause I mean, like when I say you got Russell Westbrook, who was 27, eight and seven last mm -hmm. year, and you got a Bradley Beal who was averaging 30 last year, and unfortunately he got slighted as an all-star, which was disrespectful as fuck. Despite he was on a trash-ass team last year, I get it. But 30 is still 30. Like, come on now, like Beal was playing his ass off. So, yeah. I mean, when you, when you put that in there, you got arguably one of the more formidable backcourts in the East. I mean, when you really look at what backcourts are in the East, I, I like those two. I like walking into a game with almost a walking triple-double and a legitimate score, like a three-level score with a Bradley Beal type. So, off of that, Russ has been with multiple people that can play the game of basketball. Mm -hmm. And it didn't work. It didn't work out. Who exactly were these people were? Uh, Kevin Durant and James Harden. Okay. Didn't work out. Now, I say, me personally, they let that team go a little too quick in Oklahoma City. Uh, now, him with being in Oklahoma City, I mean, uh, in Houston, mm -hmm. with, what was it, Paul George, him and Harden? Uh yeah, was it? Hold on. Sorry, that was Carmelo. It was called it's Carmelo. Mm -hmm. So, so NBA players in the league have already seen this dude play with multiple all stars. Mm -hmm. Some he wouldn't even get along with to where he was so petty when in the all star game everybody else was down there practicing and he down there by his goddamn self. <laughs> so. What tells me that he can bring anybody into D.C. that Wall couldn't bring in? They already had one of the best backcourts in the basketball. I, I mean, well, I guess when I look at it from that point of view, I mean, like my issue with Wall is is when Wall's healthy, which is hardly ever, I mean, he's a strong talent. Don't get it twisted. Yeah. But at the same time, I feel that Russ, I mean, I, like for me, it, it's kind of hard to even sit there and compare Russ and Wall because, I mean, for me, Wall's never been considered an MVP caliber player. That's Russ, very true. Russ has done it. He's won it. Wall's not, Wall is not Russ. Right. So then when I look at it and I'm just like, you know, Russ is, this is what you get. You get a tenacious ass player that's trying to win. Now, does his style necessarily always translate to wins? Not necessarily. Yeah. But he's played on some average basketball teams. Mm -hmm. And I mean, shit, on that Oklahoma City team, they weren't the greatest, but he got himself an MVP. I mean, he should. He averaged that year. He was about, what, 24? He was 24, 10, 10 and 10, 11 and 10. I mean, like, that's that's a, a historic season. Then he turned around and did it again. I think he averaged 25, 10 and 10. Yeah. So I'm just like, when I'm looking at Russ, it's like, okay, you bring him to D.C., you pair him with Beal. Beal is a lot more unselfish than what James Harden is. And I feel like James Harden, as you can see, he's kind of doing his own thing right now because he's just like, I want the fuck out of Houston. Fuck Houston. Get me the fuck out of here. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, with his style of basketball, I just don't feel that him and Russ paired well. I mean, it's like... If you're playing NBA 2K or a video it's game, great. of course it was great. <laughs> right. Of course. But, I mean, in the real aspect of chemistry and basketball, I just don't think it was a, a match made. And I think a lot of that kind of goes with personnel. Yeah. I mean, because, again, I've argued with people head up and down. P.J. Tucker playing center was an absolute fucking joke. 
and Kobe said it, rest in peace before he went, yeah. there was no way they were going to win anything in that style of basketball, pre-Russ, with Russ, and after Russ. Some even of that falls that, on Dan Tony. Even though that that, you know, that, that point that Dan Tony and them have moved on. Mm-hmm. So I feel like, it, you know, and it's it's crazy because I feel like Russ is kind of one of the more disrespected NBA players. And I think a lot of it is because they, wow. want, they, they, they want him to be a certain way. And I mean, like, I'm out here balling and playing my ass off. Like, what more do y'all, who do y'all want me to be like? Everybody right. can't be humble like LeBron. Or yeah. do you want me to be the dickhead like KD? Like, I mean, like, who do you want me to be? There's too many pictures to paint. But the problem is, is sometimes everybody likes the dickhead. And after a while, it's all, oh, he's such a piece of trash. Then it's just like, oh, well, we love the humble guy. Oh, no, he he's a piece of trash. Like, you got to make your fucking mind up. Like, Russ has been Russ. He has. So when I look at it in D.C. and I'm just like, okay, what's around him? So it's him, Bill. You know, they added, um, I think Bearden's got a decent deal. Uh, you know, Rui didn't oh, look Burton's. bad. Burton's. I mean, yeah. if you want to be politically yeah, correct. Got, I was just making sure everybody knew who he's talking about. Got you. So, I mean, it's like, you know, I feel like at some point, based off what Russ does well, is attack and dish or attack mm-hmm. and score and attack and finish. And I feel like his only weakness, which is the same weakness as John Walls, was obviously the jump shot. Yeah. But the thing is, is Russ brings that spark to where his mindset is win, 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 the one-on-one matchup. But he's not afraid to make the extra pass continuously and go in and crash the glass on rebounds and spark the break. Right. Whereas opposed to Wall, who has a similar game, the only difference is, is Wall's longevity is what's questionable. I mean, he hadn't played in two years. I mean, he tore yeah. his Achilles, probably drunk drinking Hennessy when he um, fell down the steps. Probably. So the, so the only other thing for me was is. Now we're talking about a guy three years older than John Wall. Mm-hmm. So at the end of this, we're talking about 36, 37. Now we're looking at stuff a little different because of LeBron. Right. But remember, that's LeBron. Very true. You know, I can say what I want to say and joke about LeBron, but that dude is a whole different animal than than other people. Right. So, uh, you know, I and then the other thing that bothered me was the first questions in D.C. Mm-hmm. when he got there. So mm-hmm. his first sayings is, I'm going to do me. Mm-hmm. So then they question Bradley Bill, and he says, well, I don't think he's going to come in and try to take over what I've tried to build out here. <laughs> so, you know what I'm saying? So now it's a team that Bill finally was the leader on, and Wall was kind of taking that, that step back to where Russ ain't going to take that step back. Right. Russ going to be like, it's us. Russ is an alpha dog. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's us. Yeah. It could be me and you, but it ain't you, then me. Right. So no, just to dog. just yeah. to see how that works with Bill, but then again, if if Bill really wants to be a champion, if he goes to the Nets, if he goes to L.A., he gonna have to learn how to do that anyway, because you ain't gonna be the dog out there either. Right. So, but I think with Russ's tenacity, I'm sorry, tenacity, yeah. I think it kind of elevates your team around you, and it kind of forces other guys to want to play better. And, and that was, and this, not to cut you off, that was Scott Brooks's point. Mm-hmm. He said you could see that in the first day of practice mm-hmm. and how Russ elevated people in practice because of his tenacity and what he gives. Exactly. So, Mo, hopefully we answered your question um, in regards to that because I know you are, we also laughed when you said Russ was a walking um, quadruple-double with the turnovers. <laughs> that's, that's fucked up, but but it's very true. Hey, um, hey so Mo, not right now, but we're going to talk about them Pittsburgh Steelers. <laughs> <laughs> so, with the NBA, you know, the NBA set to start here in about – you know, a good week or so with the preseason games and, you know, right before Christmas, the season kicks off. You know, they recently just put out the NBA power rankings. Mm. And, um, you know, and I'm just kind of looking at it and I kind of created my own list based off of how I feel and everything. And, you know, a couple of things that I look at here, like when I look at the top 10, like I'm just going to kind of run them off 
for you. Um, you know, number one for me, obviously, is the Lakers. You know, I'm one of those people. I believe you the champion until somebody knocks you the fuck out. It's real simple. Um, like I said before in previous episodes, love the additions <laughs> that they did with Harold, with Schroeder. You know, I feel like their second unit could possibly could possibly be a starting unit on other teams in the league. So I mean, you know, it, it's LeBron and AD's chip to lose. Yeah. Um, number two, I'm going. I'm going to have to rock with Brooklyn. I feel like if Punk ass Kyrie can stay healthy along with KD. I feel like that team is just an unstoppable force in the Eastern Conference. I'm, I, you know how I feel about Kyrie. You've been right shooting now. at Kyrie for four days. Fuck Kyrie. Also, <laughs> real nigga shit. Like Kyrie, I, I get it. You made one shot. You know, it was a big shot. You helped LeBron win the chip. Like kudos to you. But like you doing a lot of rapping, but not a lot of action either. Like at some point, you got to shut the fuck up and produce on the court. Like your your mouth is just doing a lot of rapping, and it's starting to get annoying. Like. Like, like I'm just, just kind of getting fed up with Kyrie a little bit. The earth is flat. Right. <laughs> uh, my number three is Milwaukee. I feel like Milwaukee's still going to always be a solid, strong team in the East. I don't really know how Drew Holiday is going to help propel Giannis over the hump. Um, I wasn't really huge on that. I know they also added DJ Augustine. So, I mean, you added two back, you know, two point guards to the backcourt. I'm not sure what that's really going to do to help Giannis get over the hump. I mean, they still, you know, every year get there and underachieve. Mm-hmm. Um, so good luck with that one. With Holiday, though, I did want to jump in with, when you're talking about with Holiday. You got nothing but time. <laughs> I listened to the All, uh, Up, All in Smoke podcast mm-hmm. with Barnes and, and Jackson. Matt Barnes, yeah. Captain Jack. Got you. Every player in the league that goes on there says he is the toughest dude in the NBA. I'm talking about everybody that goes on there. Drew Holiday? Is the toughest dude in the NBA. Jeez. Don't know why. Don't I mean? But hey, these NBA players saying that, I'll you know I'll let them tell me what it is. I made one mistake one time of telling the college dude he was trash, and he jade my ass up. So I. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, I mean, I, I guess that remains to be seen. So I'm gonna stand by my statement I until you. I see Drew Holiday and DJ Augustine somehow get Giannis over the hump because Giannis is a good pickup for ten minutes a game. Yeah. I feel like Milwaukee mastered picking up specialists. And I mean, just like, because I, I feel Chris Middleton is an old, old man's, poor man's Paul Pierce. Like, I mean, it's just a slow playing game. I mean, he just no. Like, I feel like Drew Holiday now becomes their dynamic player. No I, I, I just Paul don't. Pierce like like Paul that. Pierce. Like Paul Pierce. It's like my man Draymond Come said. On. It's like my man Draymond said. They don't love you like Kobe. We're not like, talking about Mr. 8 and 8. Like, come on now. <laughs> Draymond. We don't love you like that. <laughs> Mr. 8 and 8. Three-time champion. <laughs> <laughs> um, so my number four, you know, I, I, I can't disrespect him too much. Um, it's the Miami Heat. I like yeah. the core that Spolster built down there. Um, you know, I wish that they would have been able to add another player to it this season. I know they're trying to set their sights on Giannis potentially next year. Yeah. Um, also, uh, they've been apparently trying to set their sights on Bradley Beal as well. So I know how you said if the Wizards underachieve around All-Star time, yeah. keep a lookout for them possibly to be throwing in yeah. some kind of bargain or some deal. No thanks. Um, we want none of your pieces <laughs> unless you're throwing in the big dog. Oh, cut it out. <laughs> um, so, I mean, uh, number five for me was the Clippers. I feel like the Clippers... They need to figure out what style of basketball they're going to play. That ISO ball failed them miserably. I had many of debates with people on social media, Facebook, IG, yeah. about Doc's style and how he coached that team. It was too many isolation players. Yeah. So when they lost, I kind of was the first one laughing because everybody was like, they have a better team than L.A. And I'm like, chemistry means a lot. You can have the seven of the most talented motherfuckers on the court, but if they can't play together, 
they can't beat another good team. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, like, that was a prime example of it. They got a 3-1 on Denver, and Denver killed their ass with a high screen of roll. To that extent, I blame Doc Rivers on that, who mm -hmm. I do feel is one of the more overrated coaches in the league. Right. I love Doc because, you know, obviously he's a brother. But right. how do you fail to adjust to a high screen of roll? And, I mean, you literally got killed by it over and over and over until your ass lost and blew a 3-1 lead. Then you decide, fuck it, I'm <clears> to <throat> Philly. Now, and Doc, and Doc's fight... <clears throat> he gonna say I was up 3-1 what my players do which is true <laughs> which is true which is an interesting topic because <laughs> it has slowly become a point to where players are now finger pointing at coaches and now coaches are starting to point it back because as a coach's job it is my job to put you in a position correct and it is a player's job to execute it yeah so I mean there's plenty of blame to go around which is why I think it's like heralding them and you know a lot of guys are frustrated with the whole Kawhi situation saying he was dictating you know, coach, I'm coming out, or how he wanted to practice, or when he wanted to practice. Yeah. So, you know, I, I feel like, you know, the Clippers need to get back to basics. They need to get back to moving the fucking ball. Like, there was yeah. too many times I watched Kai dribble at the top of the, the key for 30 seconds, then shoot the ball. Pass it to Paul George, he dribbled for 20 seconds, then he shoot the ball. One of them overrated Morris brothers, you know, they out here shooting threes. Uh, don't do them they, like that, man. motherfuckers were shooting threes like they John Starks. Like, come on, Hey, man. they was hot this season. Don't they, do them like they that. They were okay. They was good for both of their squads. They were okay. Your boy got paid. I think they he got 64 million. He got overpaid. And the other one got a championship. Yeah, he got overpaid. <laughs> <laughs> so with that, with the Clippers adding Serge Ibaka, I think that kind of... That's what I was I think say. that additional kind of helped them out a little bit with yeah. what they lacked with Zubox, which was athletic big men. Yeah. He was the main one that was getting killed on those high screen of rolls. Um, number six for me is going to be the Mavericks. I think the Mavericks could be a very deadly team as long as they stay healthy. If mm -hmm. um, KP, which is Porzingis, if he stays healthy, him and that boy over there, they're, they're going to be tough. And I mean, just the, just the team they got around them. It hurts losing a Steph Curry to Philly because, I mean, that was one of their better shooters on the team. But, I mean, they kind of got something brewing down there, especially because yeah. they're young. Mm -hmm. um, number seven for me. Did you have something you wanted to say? No, I'm, and I'm mainly just going to bounce back and forth because when I do my top ten, I ain't really going to go into it because we're going through it now. The Mavs definitely got something going. Mm -hmm. uh, and for me, their whole season does depend on Porzingis. Yeah. Um, Luca showed that he's a he's a dog. Oh yeah. I mean, Luca just he balls. I mean, it, it's not too many players in the league like him. Once he can step it up, maybe a little bit on the defensive side, mm -hmm. and you know, get a little more comfortable with the game here. Man, that dude, I mean, he's already an all-world type of player. But Porzingis, I don't think he's played a whole year since he's been in the league. I don't believe he has. I think last year probably was the closest until he hurt his knee in that one game. And, yeah. I mean, even then, they were on the cusp of knocking the Clippers out. They were. Because, yeah. I mean, they were just outplaying them. They were hitting shots. They were yeah. moving the ball. And for the Clippers to claim to have so many defenders and two-way players and yeah. wing defenders, like, you never really pay attention to how much fucking energy you have to exert. To yeah. be able to go score 30 and try to stop <laughs> a motherfucker who can score 30. Yeah. Especially with a Luka. Because mm -hmm. they were throwing Kawhi at Luka, PG at Luka, and he was yeah. dropping their asses straight the fuck off. And Luka, Luka seven, seven foot, baby. Was, <laughs> I mean, and then Luka, Luka was going ham. Um, my number For seven sure. is, is the Nuggets. The Nuggets kind of remind me of similar to the old Portland teams where I felt like every year they play out of their minds. They rank somewhere in the top three of the Western Conference, and then they get in the playoffs and it's like, they don't show up for me. Like, they usually don't have the star power, the firepower that shows up for me. Mm -hmm. um, you know, what they did against the Clippers was, you know, I can't discredit them. You know, it was outstanding. You know, the way that you kind of came back from a 3-1 with Jamal Murray and the Joker. Yeah. But, I mean, like, when they, they laid a goose egg, you know, uh, with L.A. I mean, I really felt like they were depleted after A.D. hit that big clutch shot that kind of 
set the tone for the rest of the series. Uh, but I mean, Denver has fight in them. They just never seem to get over the hump. They're always in a fight swinging, but right. it's like when they boil down to it, they always get knocked out. Yeah. Uh, now, which now which uh, Portland teams are you talking about? You talking about the eighty, the no, no, late eighties, no, 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 early nineties, no, no, no. or the, are we talking the about late, the late nineties, the Roscoe, the late nineties with Rasheed Wallace and all that. Rasheed Wallace, it's your Brian yeah, yeah, Grant, yeah, I got you. Sabonis, Bonzi Webb. I got you. The whole they were locker room was high. I got you. But the motherfuckers <laughs> were scrappy, and it yeah. was like when I looked at them play the Lakers. And there was there was a game I felt like Portland was up twenty. I think yeah, it, it yeah, might have had, it might have been yeah. reoccurring throughout that series. Yeah, there. Rasheed Wallace was killing Horace Grant. Yes, I mean it was fucking crazy. Roscoe. I mean Rasheed looked like the best fucking baller on the court at times he was. And <laughs> Phil, Phil Jackson, you know, with his Zen bullshit. I mean he just outpowered. And after yeah. a while, Portland would struggle to find buckets. But I mean. Damon Stoudemire, Scottie Pippen at one point, Steve Smith. Like, yeah. that fucking team was eight men solid. Yeah. And I'm like, at some point, do I expect them to always beat Kobe and Shaq? No. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, at some point, I'm looking for y'all to take the next step and finally get to the finals. But, I mean, it, it is Kobe and Shaq. It's two of the greatest ever to play the game. I get it. I think uh, – I definitely hear what you're saying. I think this Nuggets team was a little different in the, in the fact that they did make it to the 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 – Western, Western Conference Finals, Finals. Mm-hmm. because that's a that's a tough Lakers team to say, hey, we kind of just put this team together. Let's go out and beat these mugs right here. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like you say, when AD was starting to bang out shots and all that, they just, I mean, for Murray and Joker, they you could see it in them every game. They were just just depleted after every game, man. It took a lot out of them every game, oh, especially yeah. this the this the 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 series before. Mm-hmm. Where him and Wizard was going back and forth every game, giving you 50, 50, 45, Donovan 50. Mitchell. Yeah, yeah, Donovan the Mitchell. Series. That, that, I mean, that, that took a lot a, out of them. That was exciting basketball. <laughs> that was one of the best basketball series in a long time. That, yeah, that was I mean, great. everybody was glued to that. I think that whole bubble was good last year. It was definitely for the most was. part. It was, just, it was very the entertaining. It was definitely entertaining because it was just kind of listening to tidbits and different guys and in interviews and how they were talking about. You know how the whole feel of the game changed. It felt like yeah. you know you was at an AAU game yeah. as an adult, as opposed <laughs> to an NBA game. Yeah. So it was just like now, like you real dialed in because there's not a lot of emotion to get drilled off of yeah. from the crowd, or you know, like when you're on the road and you like I didn't shut everybody to fuck up off this shot. Like it's just quiet in this bitch, mm-hmm. but you can look and see the dejection on somebody's face. Like yeah, nigga, I'm about to send you to fuck home. Yeah. Like like you can't never take away from that aspect of the game. Like even when. Was it the year before when Dame Lillard sent Paul George and them home and it kind of waved them off? Yeah, like, you yeah, know, like yeah. that's the kind of shit where you see the crowd and you know everybody jumping <laughs> they in. They paid and all it back. That. Yeah, like that <laughs> shit. That shit was great. But yeah, the Nuggets. The Nuggets definitely took a big step. So I, I'm looking forward to see what they can do. Uh, you know, or they did add some pieces. I can't think about it right now, but um, we'll see what they got for the rest of this season. Yeah. Um. So my number eight team is uh, the Seventy Sixers. Um. I. I it, it was kind of a struggle for me to put them mm-hmm. in my top ten. I feel like when healthy, they're arguably one of the top four teams in the East. The problem is, is you know, Joel Embiid still being 280, 300 pounds of 7'1 is terrible on the knees. Yeah. You know, Ben Simmons is a great defender. He still can't shoot to save his fucking life, but he can ball. So I'm looking at Doc and say, well, what are you going to bring in? How are you going to elevate these players? Because you still got, a, in my opinion, an overpaid Tobias Harris. But at the same time, he's almost your best scorer, like with the ball yeah. in his hand. Yeah. So I'm like, how are you going to elevate that team? Because the team has talent. They I mean, do. You added a Dwight Howard, you know, to back up and beat. You add a Seth Curry to come in and shoot threes to kind of help space the floor. Yeah. So I think Philly could be very formidable as long as they stay healthy. I think they need to figure out 
what exactly is the plan for Ben Simmons? Because in the playoffs, they're going to do the same thing they do to Giannis. We're going mm-hmm. to run basically a, 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 a knockoff form of a zone to keep you out the paint. Now what? Show us your new trick right. because you're not going to get to the cup. We're going to do everything we can to keep you to out the paint. force you to shoot the ball. And, I mean, I think I think it was a funny stat that I had heard on television the other day say in Ben's career, as of now, he's only shot 24 three-pointers. Yeah. Maybe he's hit five. Six, yeah. that's terrible. I think, didn't he hit his first one like last year or something? They had damn near an eruption in the arena like he hit the game winner <laughs> when he hit the bitch. Like, that's, that shit is bad. <laughs> shit. But uh, 9 and 10 for me, um, 9 is the Raptors. I like what Nurse has done out there with that Raptors team. Mm-hmm. Um, I just like the fact that they're competitive and gritty and scrappy night yeah. in and night out. You know, they finished, I believe, what, second in the East last year, um, if not number one. Um, but, you know, when they boil down to it, Siakam and Lowry just weren't enough firepower to get them over the hump. Um, but they're always competitive. They're always tough, um, able to score, able to shoot the threes. I think as I think the series they lost was against the Celtics. I think they did a terrible job down the stretch taking shots. I believe the series went seven games. And I think Fred Flanfleet was trying too hard to be the guy. Mm-hmm. And he took a lot of bad shots. And they got the asses eventually sent the fuck home to Boston. I'm out for them every year because I feel like roster-wise, they always have a load of talent with Tatum. Um, you know, Kimball Walker was going to miss the first month of the yeah. year with his knee. He's starting to have some injury issues. Yeah. And I mean, like, I feel like Boston is well coached. I feel like every year they should be pushing, pushing and pushing that envelope to be an NBA finals team. And they just never seem to figure it out. And it's, it's frustrating. I'm kind of starting to give up on Boston. Yeah. I'm, uh, it, it might, <laughs> they might got another year or two by the time to go ahead and blow that thing on up. I, mean, I don't know. I shouldn't say that, but, uh, you know, uh, that, that now that team just bothers me. How Denver bothers you, mm-hmm. the the Boston team bothers me. Mm-hmm. I just, <clears throat> I just don't know uh, what to really say too much more about them. They just, at times, they just can't get it done. I don't know what they're missing. I mean, they li- they lost Haywood. Mm-hmm. Uh, let him go to Charlotte. Yeah, yeah they let well. They had Jalen Brown, yeah. Tatum, yeah. Kemba. And, and he actually played half. He played decent for him last year. I mean, what yeah. he, I don't think he averaged like 21, 22 points a game. They have, like, they have talent on the roster. They just really struggle putting it all together in, in the playoffs. Like, I'm just yeah. kind of waiting. It's funny because every year we look at Boston, should be in the finals, should be in the finals, and they never make it. Right. The same with how people see Milwaukee win 55, 60 games, never yeah. make it. Like, at what point do you kind of sit back as a coach in the GM and they say, what the fuck do we do to get over the hump? And I think for me is – to an extent, Brad Stevens has them move the ball well. I think at times late in the game, they kind of start to resort to what the Clippers were doing. They start to run a little more iso ball, and it's trying to figure out who's going to be the guy to take the game over. We yeah. feel like Tatum's our game breaker. We'll give you the ball. And sometimes it's okay to collapse the defense and make the extra pass, and sometimes they right. don't. Sometimes they just say, fuck it, I'm going to the cup. <laughs> and, I mean, that was the game they lost to, what, Miami, Miami. and Bam out of bow beat that shit at the rim. Yeah. So I'm like, you know, sometimes – and that's why people learn – I can say now to have the respect for LeBron because a lot of people were giving shit to LeBron the game in the finals when, you know, he went to the cup and decided to pass to Danny Green. Danny Green had been shooting terrible the whole right. finals. He made the right basketball play. Don't get it twisted. Of course, everybody who always has the GOAT debate, I know, they wanted to see LeBron make the shot, walk off, uh, and do what 
goats what quotation marks do. Jordan big pass. Jordan had a big pass. Couple he, big passes. He has. No, he has. You know, so. No, the only difference is, is Jordan's guys hit the shots, but he's also because <laughs> if not, he was going to hit them. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I mean, it is John Paxton and Steve Kerr. I mean, I believe he would slap. We well, already took the shit out of Steve Kerr, so I mean, we, we already know that one. Um, so that wraps up my my ten. I mean, you got any critique um, that you got for your your power ranking? Maybe mm, nah. I mean. I mean, obviously, we could say it's too early to give up anything. I would, just, for me, I would obviously go Lakers number one, like you said, until somebody beats them. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna go Nets just off the name. Uh, we we can't we haven't seen Kyrie healthy. I don't man forever. So if this dude can stay healthy and and play a whole season or at least the back half of the season and be what they need to be and build everything. I actually don't think they need to trade for another piece unless it's like a bill. I mean, Harden to me, Harden and Kyrie together, I don't know how that would look. I don't know how that would go. I feel like they would be fighting each other by all-star break. <laughs> so I actually like some of their pieces. To me, they uh, Allen is not bad. Um, Levert really showed some things last year in the playoffs. And Dinwiddie stepped up and made some plays. So, like, I feel like they got some pieces around them. It's just, what you know, can Kyrie stay healthy? Um, we go with the Bucks. We kind of discussed them in detail. Um, does, but does, Gian, does Giannis want to be in Milwaukee? That's a great question. <laughs> That's the biggest question. I feel like to an extent it's a yes if he can get people, but I think just with his recent statements, I think Giannis is ready to kind of transition on and win. Yeah. Like he's got I got two MVPs, like I'm ready to go win a fucking title. And we had a small dialogue and a debate in regards to that. And we said like how the generation of player has changed. Like mm-hmm. players don't traditionally come into a franchise, build the franchise, win in the franchise. And that's why guys like Dame Lillard have really grown on me because Dame has basically, you know, was making fun of Paul right. George and him saying, you know, y'all keep chasing rings, like embrace the grind, build what you got, win a championship. I guess for me, being an old school, it's more meaningful because it means me and this, me and these guys put in the grind. We put in it. We didn't team hop and hoping to get a ring and do all that shit. And I'm just like, you know, that that era of basketball is over with. Like at this point. You showed your greatness for a couple of years. Nobody wants to be Charles Barkley. Nobody yeah. wants to be Carl Malone. Like yeah. I'll always be remembered as one of the greats who never won a ring. You right. want to win rings because they help solidify your legacy. Yeah, I just feel like, man, look, that's your squad out there. They've trying to right now after last year. They tried to put some pieces around you. Um, how about you get in the gym and learn how to shoot a jumper? He needs. To. If you really want to say you this, that, and the third, and you want to win a championship. Some of that is on you. You're supposed to be the big dog out there. Very true. Unfortunately, you can't shoot to save your life. At all. So how about you hit the gym and put in some hard work and you make your team better? They've they've given you some players around you. Now you make something of it. Don't sit back and cry about shit and say, I want to go join LeBron or I want to go join this person or join that person. How about your ass get in that gym, learn how to shoot, Play some damn defense. Well, you actually halfway decent on defense. No, he yeah, he he good on defense. <laughs> but I'm just saying, play some goddamn good defense. Learn how to shoot a jumper, and and you know just ride with your squad like that, man. I I, I get tired of everybody joining up. But then again, my boy did it later on in his career, but he did it. So I can't, you know, KG. 
So I can't really blame a whole lot of players, but I wouldn't go that route if I was a player. Which so. I get it, and that's why it just goes to say like that shows the difference. Because it's like even growing up, when you know when we were all in the playgrounds playing pickup ball or playing tackle football out in the you know the grass, yeah. And it was kind of common to where you always wanted to play against your homeboy, whoever was considered yeah, the best, for sure. Because that's how you find out how good you, you could are. be. Yeah. And it helps elevate your game because you know nobody wants to tackle the biggest nigga out on the field all the time. But yeah. it's like when you that motherfucker, you command that respect from everybody else. So it's easy to be like, oh, I'm going to be on his team because I know we're going to win as opposed to, nah, motherfucker, I'm trying to beat your ass. I'm right. tired of you being the nigga that always wins. <laughs> so I'm going to be the nigga that had the bragging rights. Right. So, you know, but like I said before, like that 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 era is, I feel like it's gone. Yeah. And, you know, people are just trying to help solidify their legacy with rings because now that's what the game has really, you know, come down to. You know, how many rings do you have? How many championships have you won? Mm-hmm. Fuck an MVP. Fuck all that. Do you have a chip? So that's why I kind of laugh when you look at dudes like Robert Ory, who ain't got shit, but he's like, I mean, I got seven rings. It's like, yeah. fuck up, Rob. <laughs> hey, Rob was a baller. That's Big Shot Bob. No, yeah. for real. So then I would go with the Clippers. We've pretty much discussed them in detail. Mm-hmm. Um, after that, I would actually put the Mavericks over the Miami Heat. Mm. Um, I like a lot of, like we said, I like a lot of what they're doing. Mm-hmm. It all comes back to KB, uh, Porzingis, and if he can be healthy. Uh, we discussed them too. I would go Miami after that. The only thing with Miami is if if uh if old boy get hurt, what else does that team have? True. Because he is the heart and soul of that team. And you seen when he just wore out in that uh, NBA Finals, they really didn't have too much more to offer. I mean, they were just done. And that last game was just terrible. It was. I mean, they was they had just given up. It was just so let's see what the rest of that team got. But just off of what they did last year, you have to give them their credit and being aware, of, you know, where they are, and you know, in the top ten of wherever you may have them. Um, after that, I would actually go with the Denver Nuggets. Mm-hmm. Um, we've pretty much discussed them in a in a in a good bit of detail. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I I like what they did last year and where they made it to. So let's see if they can just add to it. Like I said, they added some pieces. So let's see what else more they what more else they have to offer. I will go to Celtics after that. We've discussed them. Mm-hmm. Um, I will probably go Raptors because I want to see. I mean, they're losing a lot of pieces at this point. I don't. I don't really. Besides Van Fleet and a couple other pieces, you know, you lost Serge. Serge ran out of there like. <laughs> Like something was on fire. Sir said, y'all want me in in L.A.? I'm gone. I ain't even listening to a counter offer from these dudes. So <laughs> let's see what they got. And in the 76ers, this, I don't, man, I ain't a big fan of none of them 76ers like that. I mean, I know they can ball when healthy, but a lot of that is when healthy. Yeah. So that whole team just says when healthy. Right. <laughs> so healthy. <laughs> yeah. So until they must can stay healthy, we just kind of put them in the top ten, and and the Hawks might be right there. I don't know why you keep. <laughs> but all right, all right. We're not why gonna, the fuck we're do not you gonna, keep bringing in the Atlanta Hawks? We, like, I mean, look, fuck Atlanta. <laughs> fuck? All right, we hey, we're gonna let the season come. Come right, see you. Right. So as we're wrapping up our NBA segment, it kind of brings us to basically what are your feelings in regards to the whole LeBron-Kyrie thing? Because I know we were touching on Kyrie in the beginning because, like I said, Kyrie's starting to rub me the wrong way. For sure. So how do you feel in regards to just that relationship altogether? Like why all the shade? being thrown at LeBron. Like, LeBron has moved on. Kyrie, you moved on. Like, you almost acting like an old side chick. Like, what the Ky- fuck Kyrie hasn't moved on, and that's what you're getting to right there. And 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 some of that is a slight 
some of it is a slight to LeBron. Some of it is a big up to his boy because we all know like KD is the like his best friend in the world in mm -hmm. the sports game. I don't know about his personal life, of course, mm -hmm. but I I don't know if it was more of a big up to his boy to say, hey, this is our season. I ain't had nobody like you ever. Let's go out and do it this season, mm -hmm. and trying to also throw shade at LeBron like, hey. Yeah, man, I ain't never had nobody like you. Man, forget LeBron, you know. So yeah, he he got a lot. He got a lot with LeBron, and I don't know what that is. I I'm sure some things in Cleveland was a lot different than what we seen. Mm -hmm. So uh, you know, it, it could be a bit of both. But to me, I I see it as a more a more big up to his boy KD. Hmm. I mean, me, I, I kind of view it as like you, like I said, like you sound like an old side chick. Like you yeah. mad, you moved on, found <laughs> another chick, she put together, she got yeah, a degree, yeah, yeah. and then it's just little old me over here. Yeah. And it's just like, shut the fuck up at this point. Like, Kai, you made one shot in your career. The 80-20 rule. We, what they say. It, it, if that's what you want to go on. Like, you made one shot in your career. We get it. It was a big shot. You averaged 30, you know, or just slightly under during the NBA Finals. Like, yes, we get it. You played your role. You felt like you were sliding on the Finals MVP. You had to get the fuck over it. You got a chip. So for me, I'll personally say this is again where LeBron has slowly grown on me because he could have been a dickhead about it, and he, yeah. again he chose to take the high road and stay humble about the situation because mm -hmm. he could have crushed Kyle off that shit. But he was just like, all I wanted to do was see you be successful. I wanted uh to see you win an MVP, and then now you coming at me sideways, all some dumb shit. Like the fuck. And LeBron to me sometimes cares too damn much. Like I agree. Like today we just seen it as we looking at the TV that said, you know, that hurt me. Yeah. Like LeBron, you LeBron. Fuck Kyrie. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean but I mean also you gotta think of what kind of relationship yeah. that LeBron and Kai had. Because I mean we all played sports and the relationships and the brotherhoods yeah. we build For sure. within the locker room. So you know, somebody who you real tight with to come and be like, Man, I ain't never played with nobody like you and you're like, Well damn nigga, I was I was pretty good. Like right. you throwing shit directly at me. <laughs> you know, me yeah. playing D line, that's like one of my friends going somewhere, I ain't never played with a D lineman like you and I'm like, Well damn nigga, what you saying? Oh like, I felt I was pretty good. You just had to throw that in there, <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> so just just off that alone, like you know, kudos to LeBron for you know just remaining that humble dude, just saying yeah. you know fuck all the dumb shit. I'm just on a mission. So it's just like for me, when it's all said and done, LeBron got a lot of my respect because he always ends up taking the high road when I feel like he has earned the right to be a dickhead at this point, and he still just chooses not to. So I'm just yeah. like, you showing me a true professional from a nigga that came from the slums because after a while you would think. Nigga, fuck you. Fuck Kyrie. Like, he yeah. hit him with the whole Kobe and Shaq joint. Kyle, how my ass tastes. Like, that, that's the <laughs> shit I'm waiting on. That's the shit that's entertaining. Like, if he did that shit, that shit would be great. Right. But he chose not to. So, kudos to LeBron. Yeah, LeBron is... LeBron... I mean, I laugh and joke about LeBron. I try to give him all the hell in the world. But at the end of the day, that dude is probably one of the better people in the world. Oh, like, yeah. He, I mean, he just does... Things that nobody else has done, right? Building schools and just a great person. So which is, you know, which is great in the black community, and we need sure. we need more people like him for instead sure. of people just buying chains and shit like that. No doubt, I'm um, still gonna get on his ass though. Oh, course. of course. I mean, that just comes with the nature of it. <laughs> um, so transitioning on from the NBA segment, just now we're coming up to the NFL. Um, what we're looking at is the NFL playoffs are starting to vastly approach the way everything is shaping out. Um, so just going on, we're looking at the NFC um, as of right now, the way the seating is set up. Um, you know, we got New Orleans, you know, as a number one seed. You know, I got to give kudos to them guys, especially Sean Payton, because with Taysom Hill, I felt like they slided, slided Jameis Winston. 
you know, an opportunity to kind of perform for a contract next season. But at the same time, this is why those guys get paid a lot of money. This is why mm-hmm. we just sit and talk behind a microphone. <laughs> um, but kudos to, to the New Orleans because they do what they do. Uh, the continuity out there defensively and offensively hasn't changed. Obviously, it's not Drew Brees, but they do enough to keep winning games. Um so just going into what we're looking at, the NFC matchups, 2-7 is Green Bay versus Minnesota. 3-6 um, is L.A. versus Tampa. 4-5 is New York versus Seattle. Um, mm-hmm. So looking at the 2-7 matchup, what's your take on how do you think that could basically transpire moving forward? <clears throat> that's the Green Bay-Minnesota? Yeah. Um, one, that's a rivalry. Right. <laughs> Two, I, I don't think uh, – I don't think Minnesota has enough, but then again, you you fall into that Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde team with Green Bay. Uh, you just never know what team you're going to get out of that. I still think that Green Bay would get the best out of Minnesota. One, because it's a playoff game. Two, is because Kirk Cousins is their quarterback. Mm. So with a playoff game and Kirk Cousins being a quarterback, I don't think that fares too well for the Minnesota Vikings. Even with Kirk Cousins beating Drew Brees last year in the playoffs. I don't care about none of that. Or the fact that Minnesota beat Green Bay in Green Bay this season. I don't care about none of that. <laughs> we talk about the playoffs and Kirk Cousins. So you basically saying Green Bay's a locket. And the losing Stephon Diggs. But I mean, the rookie's been playing well, Jefferson. Yeah, but he ain't Stephon Diggs. He may not be Stephon, but I mean, he didn't. They didn't lose too much. Yeah, but they ain't gained nothing either. Well, that, that team. Well, defensively, they're not as good as they yeah, used to be. But that team, that team to me, I mean, they've they've been a little better as of late. But I mean, I just don't see them beating <clears throat> Green Bay again in Green Bay mm. in the playoffs with Kirk Cousins. Mm. I guess for me, um, I mean, I, I feel as long as Aaron Rodgers is on the field, Green Bay has a chance to win. I feel like where Minnesota has an opportunity to win the game is because Green Bay still can't stop the run. And how Minnesota beat Green Bay during the season was Dalvin Cook. Yeah. And I think Dalvin might have ran for He's a, no. a buck sixty. Of course, Florida State all day. <laughs> uh, he might have ran for about a buck sixty and probably three touchdowns that game. Yeah. So I mean, you know, that's how you keep the elite quarterbacks from really getting into their rhythms. You keep them off the field and dominate mm-hmm. the clock. And the mm-hmm. only thing you don't need is Kirk Cousins throwing too much to where he throws the ball away. Oh. So. With that being said is, again, Green Bay can't stop the run, which then opens up play action for those mm-hmm. who really love football. Yeah. That's the difference. Play so action bootlegs. It, it gives like you a lot of one-on-one matchups out in the secondary yeah. because the linebackers come flying up because we got to stop Dalvin. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, me, if, if I'm going by the eye test, I'm still going to go with Green Bay because Aaron Rodgers is just a bad motherfucker. He's, a bad He's good at what the fuck he do. And that's if Adam stays healthy. Lord knows that dude, man. Right. But uh, you don't think they would load the box? And just make Kurt beat them. The problem with Green Bay loading the box is, is if you miss a tackle, you fuck regardless. Yeah, but I'm gonna take my chances on that and well, just say, hey, sit back and put it up in me. So if that's the, <laughs> if that's the case, because I believe also when we were out in San Diego that uh, that week, I mm. think when Green Bay played um, San Francisco, my birthday weekend. Nobody, nobody to this day really knows who Raheem Mostert is, and he ran for 200 yards. And Green Bay tried to load the box, and he still ran for 200 yards. No, that's true. Green Bay is soft as cotton up front. They got two yeah. premier pass rushers on the outside. Preston Smith, former Redskins. <laughs> exactly. That's why you had that look on you. I face. mean, he wouldn't be starting for us right now. Oh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys do arguably have the best, oh, one of the best defensive lines in the league. Yeah, I mean, it's true. So, um, with that, it seems like we both are set up with Green Bay. Um, yeah. The next setup, we looks like we're going to go to 3-6 matchup, which is the Rams in Tampa. Um, me being a Bucks fan, I honestly don't even know if we're going to make the playoffs. There's too much inconsistency going on in the doghouse. The defensive secondary has been getting thrashed the last couple of weeks. A yeah, bye week was necessary shit. because the secondary's trash. 
Mm-hmm. Um, offensively, you know, Tom is still the GOAT. Bruce Arians is fucking this shit up. Between play calling and not running the ball, Tampa Bay looks atrocious. I feel mm-hmm. like, yeah, we shut Aaron Donald down the first game. I feel like he'll have his way with us and sling dick all over Tom Brady's head. We couldn't get to Jared Goff. They were killing us with boot passes and all this other shit. It was yeah. Robert Woods. We made Cooper Cup look like fucking Julian Edelman in the Super Bowl. Like, just defensively and offensively, we're, we're scrambled. We don't really know where we want to be. Right. I feel like the Rams would best us at that point. That's just me. I got you. No, I... I as much as I want to mess with you... Fuck out of here. No, I think the Rams would just... I think the Rams offensively and defensively would just have something for y'all. Like you said, uh, it seemed like it's taking a little longer than everybody thought for Tampa to really come along offensively. Mm-hmm. Um, the defense seems to be regressing instead of getting better. Um, so, yeah, unfortunately, I would have to take the Rams as much as I want to mess with you and dick. say Tampa Bay because... Dick, sir. It, now, in the, in the next couple of weeks coming, Tampa might put that thing together. But I right now... I just don't see it happening. You it's, bad, you bad. It, you nah, bad, man, bad. it's something with Bruce Aarons and that Kango cap and Bruce, Tom Brady. Bruce and Byron, man. I, th- I think fucking play calling, man. I think Tom don't like that Kango cap. I believe it. What's <laughs> it? It's that fucking play calling, man. So moving on with the 4-5 uh, matchup, which is kind of the head scratchers because of the Giants in Seattle, and they just played yesterday. Or not yesterday. Actually, it was yesterday. yeah. No, 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 it was Sunday, because today's Tuesday, of course. It's different adjusting to football because of COVID. Fuck COVID, by the way. Um, <laughs> the Giants beat Seattle, yeah. out in Seattle. Um, you know, it was a sloppy game. I think Colt McCoy threw for 98 yards, and defensively, the Giants won. Uh, the Redskins quarterback. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, the politically collect Washington football team. Exactly. Um, <laughs> I felt like, you know, Seattle's just kind of on that – that's struggling. They're struggling offensively. Um, you know, they really don't know what they want to do. They're trying to put the ball in Russ's hand every play and say, Russ, go win us the game. And, you know, the Giants did a really good job of defensive line-wise keeping Russ in the pocket. They always dropped seven in the coverage. And the Giants' D-line really got after that ass. Like, I think they sacked Russ about five times. I think, he, I think they may have had two or three turnovers. Like, the Giants' defense kind of really are – bringing out the blueprint along with other teams who are saying, as long as we can keep Russ in front of us and not allow him to break the pocket yeah. and the improv, like they're beatable and yeah. they're struggling because obviously we're going to bracket DK Metcalf or keep a linebacker to basically, you know, keep um, Tyler Lock Lockett it. out of the middle. Um, and it's working. Mm-hmm. Um, and you see Seattle's really struggling. They're still really having the ineffective ability to run the run ball. The ball yeah. And it's and it's showing. Um, but I mean, in that matchup, I'm still going to go favoring with Seattle <laughs> because I just don't think – the Giants can score enough points on a Seattle. I feel like Seattle will kind of rock, rock, uh, rock through it on the right time. Just yes, that Sunday game was just bad. That was just that's just me. Nah, I be, I'm I'm right there with you. So I'm gonna just go ahead and say I'm a, I'm gonna pick Seattle in the, in that in that same matchup. A lot like you said, man. If you can keep Russ in front of you and keep him from uh, you know just making other plays happen, I feel like you can really beat that Seattle team. For me. I just don't know how much that giant team would be able to do it. And and surprisingly, you know, Colt went out there and did a little bit of something. But, you know, he Colt is that guy that's going to throw it away if he ain't got to make that pass. So, you know, uh, is Daniel Jones going to be that person? I don't know. You know, he, he might try to make something happen and throw a pick and, 
and give Seattle some plays, you know, that they might not have had if Colt was in there. So very true. Um, we, I mean, at this time now, we're doing this very early. We very wanted true. to give you something different than a top ten every week and very true. going down. So you know, and also just to let you know, we're doing this Tuesday before the Cowboys in 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 Baltimore game. Mm-hmm. We did just see that Dez got scratched. I knew that was going to be a big time receiver for Lamar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We felt, we felt really bad for days. You know, we were really looking forward to you throwing the X up tonight. Did better. Yeah. Tested positive with COVID. Hey, Dez, you got to stay away from, uh, what's the jump down uh, Baltimore? What? Norma Jeans. You got to stay out of Norma <laughs> Jeans, baby. The two o'clock club. <laughs> hey, you got to stay away from them chicks with the bullet holes in them. Fuck you mean, yo. <laughs> uh, moving on to the AFC. Um, you know, right now, Pitt has the number one seed. They have the better conference record. So, your 2 yeah. through 7 matchup. You got a KC versus an Indy. You got a 3-6 matchup with Buffalo versus Miami, a 4-5 matchup with Tennessee versus Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Um, with KC, you know, Indy, you know, I feel like it, it, it would kind of come down to who can make a play to kind of change the tide or the dynamic of the game. Um, and with that being said, like Kansas City's explosive. Indianapolis actually has a pretty uh, stout defense. The problem is, is KC will probably be the ones to make the plays because of that quarterback on the other side, who you seem to be a favorite of. Um but I just don't know if Phillip Rivers can make enough throws, you know, to go toe-to-toe, blow-for-blow with Patrick Mahomes. Um, will Phillip probably make the Hall of Fame? I mean, he might. Who knows? Trash. He might. Um, that dude but, is the <laughs> but the other thing, the other thing that kind of rocks on on Indy's side is Indy can actually run the ball. Yeah. Um, they have a three three back stable, yeah. so they they would be able to be the team that would be able to control the ball, control the game. Just came back too. Yeah, um, and definitely control the game and keep Mahomes and them off the sidelines. The problem is, is if they can if. Casey uh, perhaps turns Indy into a one-dimensional team, then that's kind of where the struggling may come in because now you're forcing the white Jameis Winston to have to throw every play, and then he eventually will throw to the other team two or three, four times. To be fair, Jameis Winston is the black <laughs> Phillip Rivers. <laughs> there, there you go. But no, um, I would obviously go Kansas City as well. But, to, I mean... In the last couple games we've seen, they struggled with some teams that can run, kind of like what you just said, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, Denver gave them some gold the other night, and we know Denver ain't. I mean, Denver didn't want to throw at all. Oh, when yeah. they threw it, the commentators, why are you throwing the ball, you know. And, it, mm-hmm. I mean, you got to throw that in every once in a while just to keep the defense honest. Very true. <laughs> um, but Indy can actually throw the ball a little bit. Um and, and Phillip has been doing a little bit better on, you know, turnovers and things like that. So he might stay away from that. I feel like Indy would be a tough matchup. That'd be a hell of a game. But I think at the end of the day, KC, I mean, as much as I don't like the dude, Tyreek Hill is a is a freak, man. He's a he is Is he freaky? He's like real freaky. Uh, yeah. Oh, he, like he's so freaky. He's so freaky he likes to beat his baby mamas, literally. Oh, here literally. Oh literally. Oh, with Lord. and his children. Oh. So Oh, right. God. So, but now nah, the dude athletically on the football field wise is out of this. He's out of this world. But they they got so many weapons. It's not even funny, man. But so I think they will pull that out. Buffalo, Miami. Um, yeah. You know, watching those guys last night, which was Buffalo. Josh Allen is is constantly growing and developing as a quarterback. I mean, they went and got him. You know, Stephon Diggs, and you know he's doing a really good job with that offensive line, who's protecting him. But when the play starts to break down, he does a really good job of breaking contain, getting outside yeah. the pocket, which then allows those receivers to win those matchups because you know it's unfortunate as a DB that they ask you to guard a receiver for four to five seconds, 
And then before you know it, you turn around and you still haven't heard a whistle. That split second. Now the receiver then got behind you five to ten yards. It's a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Um, now the the counter to that, Miami actually plays extremely good defense. Um, they play within the scheme. Brian Flores, you know, who actually is a brother, I'm proud of him because he's down there yeah. doing well. I mean, me personally, the matchup I would take Buffalo, but mm-hmm. Miami is not. They're not a slouch. Um, you know they don't they don't do things great on offense, but yeah. defensively they do not they do well enough to keep you in the game. It's just a matter of <clears throat> is Tua able to score enough points to beat Buffalo is the question. And I'll go vice versa with that. Okay. Will Miami's defense create enough turnovers to actually win? Because it seems to be when they don't create turnovers, they don't win games. Which is true. So, uh, I, and I'm like, like you, Buffalo's offense is starting to get a lot better. Mm-hmm. We already know their defense is pretty stout. Mm-hmm. Um, I've kind of mentioned that at one point, Allen was a fifth pick to win the uh, the um, MVP. That's you know that's if you betting a little money, you know. But no, nah, he's definitely getting a little better over time. Uh, he's starting to grow on me too, uh, and you know having Diggs helps. Um, being in that cold up in Buffalo, mm-hmm. we'll see how the Miami players react to that. Very true, um, especially we talking about in January. It's cold, might be snowing. Very true. Now, not no fans might be a little different. But also, I'm has, still not a believer in Tua. But also, has has Miami's culture changed? Has has Flores brought something that Miami hasn't had? Because you know, Flores is one of those guys that came from Belichick. Yeah. So has he created a culture that basically says? We don't give a fuck what the the, the setup weather. is or the circumstances. Mm-hmm. This is what we do. And, you know, the mantra of Belichick is do your job. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Miami has kind of adapted that play style, especially defensively, do your job. They don't get usually beat a lot on huge, big plays. They usually play, you know, with what they have, and they play well with it. Like, right. aside from, what is it, uh, Xavier Howard? They don't have too many big names that really leap out to you on paper. Right. But they actually have some decent ballers. Defensively. Now, I'm kind of with you in the sense of offensively, can they score enough points? Yeah. Because a lot of the games they've been winning, they might get a punt return, they might get a block punt, yeah. they might get a fumble recovery. And I mean, those are all things that change the tide of the game. Mm-hmm. But what happens when you don't get those? Now, can and you that's, create, that's can you when methodically they seem to struggle? Right. Can you methodically drive the ball down the field right. and put points on the board? And for me, I don't feel like Miami's there yet. I think they're having a out of their mind season they are. eight and they four. definitely are but I mean watching the game against the Bengals they struggled but they were just a more superior team than the Bengals and they won 19-7 right. they were able to get down and get field goals but for me it's Buffalo the 4-5 matchup is extremely interesting because um, you know the quarterback that everybody gives the most shit to um, showed up <laughs> uh, Baker threw fuck four touchdowns there in, in the first half and <laughs> Cleveland was up 38 38 10 30 13 in the first half but then you know Tennessee kind of flipped the script and kind of started to come back a little bit Tanner Hill started to get hot the good thing was Cleveland got out on Tennessee so fast Tennessee couldn't utilize what they're known for which is the bell cow Henry because mm-hmm. they know if we have a lead, we want you to run the ball because now that clock is constantly running. Now you're forcing Ryan Tannehill to beat us. Well, Ryan Tannehill this year, I believe, is in the top 10 in touchdown passes this year. I think he's about 25-26 with only like five or seven interceptions. All that shit you talk about Tannehill. That's not true. You talk a lot of shit That's about not Tannehill. True. That's not true. Who you got, Ryan Tannehill? That's not true. That's not true. <laughs> Ryan Tannehill's not an awful quarterback because, again, he has two dog receivers. Mm-hmm. A.J. Brown and Corey Davis. A.J. Brown is a fucking animal. Yeah. John o. Smith at tight end is pretty good, but A.J. Brown is a fucking animal. Hey, that old Miss team should get smacked in the face. Y'all had so much talent and didn't do shit. Right. <laughs> but if I'm going 
to go with the eye test. I feel like they played again. They're playing the playoffs. I feel like Tennessee's got them. Cleveland, Baker won't make enough plays. The Baker we saw Sunday just won't be the same Baker we see in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Despite that, Cleveland is making a push to be probably one of the best 9-3 and three teams that we've seen, and they're going to start out on the fucking road in the playoffs. Because we've agreed on everything, <laughs> I'm going to go with the Cleveland Browns. Oh, this nigga. <laughs> Based off of what? Baker Mayfield. Baker, so Mayfield. Baker Mayfield. I'm fan. not. I, I can't stand him. Well, the other thing is, I mean, when you look at Cleveland, you know, they got Chubb. They got Kareem Hunt. So they, they got they, some they, running backs. They can control the clock. They, can keep, they and, can keep Tennessee's offense off the field. And, and it'll go blow for blow. And I believe more in Baker Mayfield right now, right now, than Tanner. The reason I don't is because Tanner Hill has won a playoff game. Baker hasn't snipped a playoff I game. Got you. So I got to see. Oh, it. don't say Tanner, Tanner Hill. Ain't, he threw seven re, uh, receptions that game. He threw three touchdown passes in that game. And yes, he only threw for 80 yards, <laughs> but he beat Baltimore. Hey, so we can't when, you can go, when you can go literally <laughs> hand off left and hand off right, pop pass for a touchdown. Pop pass because God is good. Game. Touchdown is a touchdown. <laughs> Don't have to throw for 200 yards every week. God is good. That overrated kid that everybody so uh-huh. loves, who was considered one of the greatest college quarterbacks who sucked in the league, mm-hmm. everybody said the same thing, which, of course, was Tim Tebow. He was a terrible NFL quarterback. Don't at me. He sucked. In college, he was unstoppable. Yes. He's one of the greatest college quarterbacks of all. Which we, I just gave okay. him kudos for. All right. So, so, so what you're saying is your quarterback doesn't have to be all that as long as he controls the game and um, wins a Super Bowl. That's not necessarily true. But, see, you're going based off of, uh, sorry ass, um, what's the fuck is his name? Mr. Pick Six himself. Trent Dilfer. He's trash. <laughs> that motherfucker did everything he could. Just I just to bring get, this up because he hates that Because much. Trent Dilfer sucked. Because he did everything he could so Matt Slover could kick field goals. And he had the greatest linebacker ever to lead that defense and took him to a Super Bowl. Your favorite, He's Ryan Tannehill. Your favorite linebacker. Yeah, he didn't murder anybody. He did. That's he's not a murderer. True. He was not convicted. He is a murderer. Ray Lewis is one of the greatest Ray, linebackers yes. ever. He, that's Super how he learned how to do that dance. He killed the man and did the dance. So now that we've uh, <laughs> we've kind of broken down just our playoff scenario, so we just kind of have a random question of the night: Is, is the gun was too hot? That's how he learned the bullets. You fell. should be ashamed of yourself. The bullets fell on him. And he had to shuffle you should like be ashamed that. Of yourself. <laughs> The question of the night is, is you know, we found out today that the Eagles have benched Carson Wentz. So what does Philly Ooh. do with Carson Wentz now? Because now you're bringing in Jalen Hurts. I, I don't think any quarterback in the league right now will be successful behind that offensive line. That it's, offensive it's line is atrocious. It's bad. Uh, uh, no your boy, the game. showstopper made his whole season off that offensive line. No running game. No nothing. Offensive line works at food line. His receivers, they overnight stocking at Walmart. Shit. I, I mean, mean, like, what do you do? I mean, I'll take Carson Wentz once uh, Tampa gets rid of Brady once he's done because he's 50. So once he goes into the retirement home, I think, Carson, you can feel free to come to Tampa. No risking, no biscuit. Who was, the, who was the boy? The other the tackle or whatever? The old left tackle they had? Peters. Uh, that motherfucker still work at Woolworths. See? <laughs> <laughs> I saw, saw Some of y'all don't even know what Woolworths <laughs> is. So so what so what so now what's what's the move for Philly now? So I mean you're you're putting the last four games Lose. <laughs> lose and don't get Wentz hurt. So basically you're saying <laughs> is we're gonna keep Wentz on the on the bench and be yes. healthy going into the offseason. But is there a yeah. quarterback controversy now? To me, no. Be, one, because of what you gotta pay him. Two is I, I just can't see Jalen Hurts coming in and making that big of a difference. Now, if he comes in and shows you something completely different than Wentz did, then, yeah, maybe there's something to look at. But to me, Wentz, I mean, uh, Hurts is going to go out there 
and he just gonna give you a dude that you get one or two reads, pull it, and run. And if he can get something that's good, if not, then he's just gonna go with what he gets, and he gonna get messed up just like Wentz was. It might just look better because he's a little bit faster and can get rid of the ball. Mm. Looking forward to it to kind of see what the experiment looks like. I mean, for me, like Philly, Philly has a lot of problems that they're just not addressing when I look at it. And it's, it's unfortunate because it solely falls on Carson Wentz and it's not all his fault. His two best targets or three best targets, of course, are supposed to be DJX, Alshon Jeffrey, and it was it Zach Ertz. <laughs> Been injured all season. I feel like I, I follow DJX on IG. I feel like this nigga's always by the pool. So I'm like, I'm like, it, it, like, what the fuck is he doing? Like, he been out all year. I think he might have played week one, maybe. Right. Alshon just came back about two weeks ago, but you never know he was on the field. Like, you Aren't both of them like 32. They're up there for yeah. sure. I feel like at some point Philly needs to cut ties with both those guys. I mean, Ertz has been injured, which was basically his security blanket. So now is that or Car- uh, Carson's just out there trying to make plays to win games, and unfortunately he's throwing the ball away to Mike Jones, right? Because really, <laughs> arguably his best receiver is Greg Ward. I mean, he was a fucking oh. college quarterback who thrashed us, Florida State. Yeah. Don't don't want to talk about it. That was a different game long time ago. So with that being said, Eagle fans, good luck with that situation. I'm glad it's happening to y'all. Fuck Philly. Fuck Philly. <laughs> Um, we so, actually beat y'all, mothers. It was it was delightful to see. Well, the life of the season for the Washington football team was the win last night over Pittsburgh. Oh um, boy! According to what Chase Young said, oh Baltimore, boy, Baltimore um, exploited something, and we basically just took advantage of it. So, oh boy! So, arguably, the Skins had the best defensive line of football. The best defensive line. Arguably, one of the best defensive lines of football. We're still growing and yeah. trying to mature and see what we do to get better. Boy. <laughs> we are. I mean, look, they're, they're, they're Jekyll and Hyde, man. It's games to where we think we're going to go out there and be dominant. And then when we play against good teams that are consistent on offense, they come down and just do what the hell they want against us. Mm, very true. I think a lot of it also is just because offensively, it depends on the matchup, who you guys are. Because, I mean, like, well, the way I watched you guys dominate the Cowboys just with Gibson. I mean, Gibson looked like fucking Adrian Peterson. Right. So, you know, the defense was kind of be like, we're gonna we're able to dictate how we play the game because now we've got a lead. So right. now we can pin our ears back and do what we do best as opposed to the deception of the run pass because on plays in your mind as a defensive lineman, you're like, I got to get upfield, I got to get around, I got to get to the quarterback, then it's mm-hmm. a fucking draw. And, you know, now you gave up a 12-yard run. So I feel like, you know, you guys did a great job with the game plan going in against Ben because the Steelers like to run a lot of five wide. Yeah. They Offensively, they cannot run the ball for shit. They're not Correct. good run blockers. So, I mean, like, it was a it was a good game on you guys' part. The biggest thing is can you guys be consistent? And that's the part of where it bothers me is uh, we're definitely not consistent enough, especially against the better teams we do play. Now, uh, Pittsburgh is different in the sense of how you say they always want to play five wide or four wide and maybe keep a back end. Um, but we knew kind of there would kind of contain Ben. If you can't get to him, put your hands up, bat the ball down, which basically won us the game with Montez Sweat doing that. He he realized he couldn't get around the guy, so he stepped back, put his hands up, blocked the ball, and a linebacker finally caught one. So <laughs> uh, we knew we couldn't get to him because of the scheme that they were really putting in. We got close a couple times where, you know, uh, you seen on there where uh, Chase Young told him I didn't hit you because I love you. I don't know why he told the rapist that, but... Uh, oh, Lord. <laughs> 
But no, to be serious. Allegedly raped. You correct. So, <laughs> in all seriousness, though, until we can be consistent, I wouldn't say we're one of the best defensive lines in the NFL. Do are we working towards that? And do I love what Ron Rivera is bringing to our program? I do. Makes sense. That's a fair assessment. So our next, our next uh, thing that we kind of bring up now, both NFC and AFC, is what we call contender pretender. So two teams in the NFC that you feel are contenders, two teams in the a- in the NFC that you feel are going to be pretenders. So for me, I feel my contenders in the NFC are the Saints, just because of how effective they are offensively, the fact that they basically have arguably a top five, top ten defense, played in the secondary well, made an addition with Quan Alexander, the linebacker, to get faster at linebacker, defensive line, arguably one of the best in the league. I feel like it's New Orleans' season to lose. I know they've been close the last couple times. They got screwed mm-hmm. over that year with that no-pass interference call, a bad loss last year to Kirk Cousins, who's a former Redskins quarterback <laughs> in the playoffs at home in the wild card. I feel like this is kind of Drew Brees' last chance for greatness, his last hoorah. Um, mm-hmm. So them, then with the Rams, because they're in basically the same category, when their offense is clicking in five, they're unstoppable. It allows AD and guys like Leonard Floyd to kind of pin their ears back and go, especially when you got a guy like Jalen Ramsey out there who's covering one half of the field. I feel like New Orleans and Rams is an NFC championship game for me. He's a no. We know. That's good at what they do. <laughs> My two contenders for the NFC, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I feel like if they do make it, they, um, you know, they tried to give us the trophy in August, and that's not where Super Bowls are won. Um, oh, as a Redskins fan, I know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it's unfortunate because, of course, you give us Brady, and everybody says you give Brady with that talent down there. It should be a sure thing, and that's just another cliche statement. It just says, you know, talent doesn't always win championships. Yeah. Quoted by Lee, was it Lee Flowers? Paper champions. Never wins. Mm. Um, Green Bay Packers are my other ones because uh, literally wow. I feel like, again, can't, can't stop the run. They take too many lumps. Devontae Adams gets hurt. Depending on the team that they're playing, which is if it was like a New Orleans or somebody in the second round, I feel like they'll beat them. Despite Green Bay beat them early in the season, I feel like New Orleans will actually have them. Kamara, you know, the talent, Michael Thomas, I just don't feel like Green Bay is really that team. Wow. That's... You kind of surprised me with that one. I wasn't I wasn't looking forward. This this is where we tell y'all we don't really do a whole lot of pregame nothing. I mean, we, you know, we kind of just come here and talk our shit. <laughs> but uh, so for me, I'll start off with um, I'll start off a little different than you. Mm-hmm. I'll start off with the the pretenders. Okay. First, I'm going to go with the New York Giants. Anybody that come out the NFC East is a pretender. <laughs> even though, even though, I believe the Giants and the Redskins are one game back from the wild card. So even if you don't win the division, you might be able to win the wild card spot. And both teams seem to be getting a little better over the season. I mean, the Vikings right now are six and six. Mm-hmm. So I mean, like so, that, that last spot is is open. It's, it's open, especially if any games get canceled. Yeah. They're going to add an eighth team to the playoffs. So yeah. that kind of opens so, the dynamic. So as as much as we kind of were a laughing joke at the beginning of the season, it's starting to turn around a little bit. So we'll see. But to me, the Giants are a joke, even though they beat my Washington football team twice. Mm. The, uh, dick on. the other pretender to me, hell yeah. <laughs> hell yeah. Don't you do them boys like that. You know who it is, Big Wode. 
Don't do them boys. The like New that. Orleans Saints. The pretenders. They're pretenders. That's disrespectful. They're pretenders. The number one team. I don't. That's right now. The number one team in the NFC is a pretender. If you keep out there with Taysom Hill, Tatum Hill, uh, Drew Hill, oh, I don't care what. Me, what you <laughs> sing want. it, brother. <laughs> if you keep out there with that man right there, with that team, it's no way in the hell you're gonna win nothing. In the NFL with him, well, they're just trying to stay. They're I, just trying to get Drew back. Drew ain't coming back. Drew's coming. Drew back. broke eighty-eight ribs. They're talking about Drew coming back in two weeks, but he don't even really okay. need to play. Okay, well, if Drew come back, then I change my position. Oh. As of right now, Tuesday, what uh, is this? December eighth. Unfucking heard of twenty twenty. The New Orleans Saints is pretenders wow. with that quarterback they got. Drew Hill, Taysom Hill, Tatum Hill, wow. Spike Hill. I don't care what his name is. They're pretenders. Wow. This nigga's drunk. <laughs> no, this time I'm not. <laughs> this time I'm not. Who are you contenders, man? I got to hear this shit because you just put New Orleans as a joke. Who the fuck are your contenders? The Rams. Okay. They got a lot on both sides of the ball. Respectfully. Sometimes they try to get a little too cute, though. That is true. Uh, and the Green Bay Packers. Ugh. And so where, to where I kill New Orleans for what they have at quarterback, I got to praise Green Bay for what they have a quarterback so he can always kind of keep you in a game and when they're healthy and actually playing how they're supposed to play that is one tough team to beat even though their defense is a damn liability but it, it for me I, will, I mean I get what you're saying but that's Max a bad pads. that's a bad man and quarterback that's about it that's a bad they got a receiver that's about it. Come on, man. Their team, their defense is a maxi pad. That's fine. And and the Saints got a maxi pad at motherfucking quarterback. Who? Drew Hill. <laughs> Again, Taysom is just. I don't He's care. Just what? running the ship until right. Drew is healthy. And then when Drew get back, what? He gonna have PTSD. He'll be healthy. He'll and he gonna be out there throwing Drew three yards. Get a fucking chip. Drew ain't going to Drew, do nothing. Drew. You all heard this. He ain't going to get him a fucking chip. We put a bottle on something before. We put a bottle on that. Drew say, ain't doing nothing. No I put bro. a bottle on with you and you, Wody. I know you listening. <laughs> so I my, love you, bro. <laughs> so two contenders for me K, uh, in uh, the AFC. Kansas City Chiefs, no doubt about it. My homeboy, baddest motherfucker on the planet. So when it's all said and done, it ain't nothing Kansas City can't do. Start a receiver, start a quarterback, can run the ball. This dude. What? Man, you what? just be sucking KC off, How man. How can you suck somebody off? Come this? on, man. Nigga, they're great. They ain't They're good. They're great. They're very good. They're great. They're very good. They're great. Nah. They're great. They lost to the Raiders. Pittsburgh lost to the Washington football team. Dang, man. It happens? Yeah, nah. Right. Kansas City is, is what? The 27 and 4 in the last two years? Mm. My other team, the contender, Buffalo. Yeah. I really like Josh Allen. I really like what they're doing. Um, wow. Buffalo had a chance to beat KC early in the season. They missed their opportunities. But mm. I feel like Buffalo is a, is a good football team um, on both sides of the ball. Um, I feel like Josh Allen can make enough plays, adding Stephon Diggs. Um, you know, their toughest loss of the year, obviously, was that, that loss to AZ. Um, yeah. Off that hell, Murray. But Who's I mean, Buff- right Buffalo is tough. Very true. Um, my 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 two pretenders, <laughs> my two pretenders in the AFC, both Cleveland and Baltimore. I'm sorry, Cleveland and, and Tennessee. They it used to be Baltimore. <laughs> that Mayflower got up again. Cleveland, Cleveland being nine and three, I, I don't think they'll make a deep playoff run. I'm just really not sold on Baker Mayfield. Um, 
I do like the fact that Cleveland believes in the run game, but mm-hmm. I believe when they run into a team that is that is able to stop the run, Baker's not going to be able to make enough throws to beat them. Mm-hmm. Um, with Tennessee, I just feel like their defense is a liability. I think Cleveland yeah. exploited that. Um, I don't think um, Tennessee will make enough plays defensively to sustain and to go on to a championship. So they're pretenders in my eyes. Got you. So my my contenders is Kansas City, obviously, because they're very good. I don't know about great, but they're very good. Hater. Yeah, it's I mean, always one. It's always one. I mean, I am light skinned. It's always one. So. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, niggas want to be Prince. Boy, nah, I nah, I ain't never say that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but and then the other the other contender is Pittsburgh. Uh, I, I would love to see those two square off at the end of the year, um, if not Indy, only because of Philip. But you know, <sighs> but nah, uh, I think Pitt just ran into something different this week. I think I think a loss for them would be good. Um, to go back and get a little serious in practice. Sometimes you need to, you know, take a little, a little hit to the chin to get a little serious. They, uh, we've talked about it before. You know, they they kind of survived a couple games. Most definitely, most and, definitely. Uh, but and, that's also what kind of solidifies how good your team is because yeah. when you're good, you get everybody's yeah. best shot. Yeah, for sure. So you know, uh, hopefully that'll do something for them, and they'll, they'll go back and change up some things. Hopefully they can find a running game, man. Some to. kind of running game, yeah. at least. James 78, Hale, 80 James yards, Conner, something. James Conner, Adrian yeah. Bonner, somebody need to run the fucking Somebody, I mean. It's, it's bad. Yeah, they need to, I mean, just do something. Stick with a back and find out where his skill set is and do that and see if it works. Stick with McFarlane if you got to and run zones. Or do something. I don't I don't know what their plan is going to be, but Snell is about as fast as me and you. Mm. And, and Conner, God bless him, I mean, he bought three steps faster. Very true. Very true. <laughs> now McFarlane can do some things, but he looked like he can't even catch the ball. Which is disrespectful to be an NFL <laughs> running back and you say he could have won that one on one matchup against Bostick last night. And yeah. We wouldn't even be talking about Pittsburgh having an L tonight. So yeah, man. I just I feel like I, I'm confident in Tomlin. Tomlin will figure some things out. For sure. In my opinion, is definitely a Hall of Fame coach. It's always great to see a black, a black coach at, at that yeah. going out and being able to sustain this long because at least it's short for mm-hmm. black coaches in any sports in America in general. So it reminds me of Neesmith. There you go. <laughs> um, so you said you did your you did your pretenders, correct? I did my contenders. Okay. Who my you, pretenders is Miami Dolphins. Ooh. They're pretending. Ooh. Yeah. Hey, look. You, you can't get turnovers every game. Very true. And until you can show me that you can win consistently without getting turnovers, because as as you get to the playoffs, you ain't playing these scrub. You ain't playing the Bengals. Very true. You know what I'm saying? And then my other pretender team is the same team as you, the Tennessee Titans. Mm. Um, I, it's going to be a team that line up and just smack them in the mouth and, and stop that run game, and then you're going to see what they're really about. Very true. Um, and like you said, their defense is, I it's, mean. It's not good. Which is surprising it's because. Trash. Vabral being a defensive yeah, line. Yeah, Vabral, you would think, would have had them dudes lining up and balling, man. Right, and just at times they look all over the place. Like, that. Yeah. they had that bad loss to Indy. Um, it was about a month ago. And, I mean, like, you know, Phillip didn't pick them apart or anything, which which is normal. But it was just the way that they looked all around, defensively, special teams. You know, they just didn't play a complete game, and they, they lost bad. Then they turned around and got your boy Phillip's ass. Yeah, I said it. Um, and one, but the problem is, is you don't know which Tennessee team is going to show up. The one that's going to bully you and play defense or the one that's going to look like a cheap prostitute and take dick. And I feel like that's the, <laughs> that's the Tennessee team that's going to show up in the playoffs. Yeah. 
So moving on to that, we'll say we'll be as we're winding down here, heading into college football. Um, so as we get to our our top four here, um, you know, for the playoff, still hasn't changed. Still feel like Bama's the clear cut runaway winner. Yeah. Um, for me, you know what they're doing down there with Nick Saban, whether he got COVID, whether he don't got COVID, whether he's fucking little girls on campus, like they just roll, roll tide. Um, no can we not say little girls on campus? Can we say girls on campus? Okay, because they're obviously like eighteen and up. I don't, the little girls part scared me. He's seventy. Hey, <laughs> um, Notre Dame is still number two for me. Um, you know, it, it's finally coming up on the matchup that I've been waiting to see is a healthy Clemson play against a Notre Dame team in the ACC championship. Um, I don't think Notre Dame wins this time. I was very confident in when we had our debate two episodes ago. I feel like this Clemson team goes in beats Notre Dame. I think it'll be another tough game. But I feel like Clemson definitely got him this time. Number, so, f- go ahead. So not to, I don't want to cut you off right there. Mm-hmm. So do you do you really feel that Clemson is a that much of a different team when Trevor Lawrence is playing? I feel like their playbook is more expanded when Trevor's in. Okay. Now, granted, DJ played well, which is the freshman. I don't even know yeah. how to say his last name, so I'm not even about to try. <laughs> but at the Oops. same time. <laughs> he missed some throws that I feel Trevor would have made as yeah. the game went on. Because the other thing you got to remember, and a lot of people aren't paying attention to, is Notre Dame threw the whole kitchen sink, the truck, the moving van, everything at Clemson, and still barely snuck away with that game. Yeah. So kudos to Clemson's team with a freshman. It's no still rocking. The other thing was Notre Dame did a great job bullying Clemson up front, who starts at that time started two or three freshmen on the D-line. Now that they're healthy, now the dynamic changes, and you say – we expect Ian Book has to beat us this time. We're not going to let you bully us because Kyron Williams ran for like a buck 40 and three touchdowns. Yeah. But also, you know, some of the plays that happened. I think Clemson had three or four turnovers that game. Mm-hmm. Do I expect the game to be different? Yes. I think the game will get cleaned up a lot better now from Clemson's aspect, and I think they beat Notre Dame again. Okay. Or, I'm sorry, beat Notre Dame this right, year. Right, right, right. I get what you're saying. No, I, I, um, you might be right, and then sometimes it's, sometimes it's just a different belief when you see who's back there and realize that that dog hasn't lost that often. So, you know, um, and I hate to always bring things back to me, uh, but when number two stepped out on that field, when Chris Kelly was out there, it was times where we might be losing, and I'd be like, yo, it's no way we about to lose this game because that dude is ridiculous, you mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. it was just that believability in that guy behind the behind the center, mm-hmm. and that might be the biggest difference because, yeah, DJ did have some great games, and he threw for some yards and threw some touchdowns, but, yeah, Trevor could be that difference. Um, at times, though, I see Trevor get, like, a little bored. I don't want to say bored, but – I would say bored. I, yeah, yeah, it's just like it's, it's times I mean, when, where you're just, like, looking at him like, what? dominating all the time, and then sometimes you're like – oh, shit, we're only up a touchdown. Yeah. And it's like, I got to flip the switch. Because, yeah. I mean, it's like when you're Clemson and you're a power, it's like beating on your little brother. Yeah. It's like after a while you get bored and he clock you one time. You're like, now you just pissed me off. <laughs> right, right, right. So, I mean, like, Clemson's not usually in a lot of traditionally close ball games until the playoff. And, I mean, like, that's what we saw last year. Like, they had a couple games where they had a scare. And, then you know, that's kind of when, you know, Dabo will take them in, get them regrounded, and be like, okay, y'all almost lost to UNC. What the yeah. fuck is wrong with y'all? Yeah. And they'll come out next week. And then the same way how they did this year when they dominated Pitt. And then it was funny because, you know, us being Florida State fans, you got Norville down here talking about, oh, we want Clemson. No, <laughs> Shit, no, no we, we didn't. don't. It's the reason you canceled that game, No, fuck we don't. We, we'll get embarrassed. They'll put <laughs> yeah. 75 on us. Hey, you, see they put, uh, you see they put Duke 
fucking Joe, uh, Wake Forest on the schedule. Exactly. But getting off topic there. So, so. But, I mean, that you know, that's expected. That's, that's yeah. the choice of spit talking. That's yeah. why we're good at what we do. For sure. So, number four is kind of the head scratcher. I mean, for me, it's going to always be Ohio State. But yeah. that overrated coach over in Ann Arbor, they were forced to cancel the game, um, mainly because of Captain COVID. Pants. Uh, right, because of COVID. Um, so this kind of puts a little controversy on Ohio State because they may not meet the criteria of that sixth game. Yeah. Um, because of right now, the Big Ten Championship game is consistent of Northwest versus Indiana. I'm not watching that. Um, so it's like, what happens with Ohio State at that point? Because now you're trying to scramble to find a game, and here it is Tuesday, December 8th. What do you do? Because you need a sixth game to yeah. qualify. That Hey. Ohio State is going to find the sixth game. I don't care if it's Texas A&M, Weber State, Shenandoah Valley, (laughs) Shepard. Leave that alma mater right there, Shenandoah. I don't care who it is. They're going to find the game six. (laughs) It's going to be an HBCU. Somebody out there going to play and get this money because they're going to offer some good money. To play this game, uh, you know, hey, shit, go play Coastal Carolina. You saw what happened to BYU when they made that mistake. Now, granted, this is Ohio State, that right? It happen. ain't gonna be that. But you saw BYU got they feelings hurt. Yeah, but um, nah, that that's just game gonna happen. It it has to because I mean I, I I can't put any other team over Ohio State because just the program, the tradition yeah. of the program. Even though it's not fair to the other teams because I just don't know if they'll find another game. And but at some point you still got to find a way because people want to see competitive playoff football. We don't mm-hmm. want to watch Texas A&M go get thrashed by Alabama, which I feel like Texas A&M is just not ready for Alabama. We don't want to watch Florida get thrashed by Alabama, and I mean Florida. Those teams they're going to play. They're going to play in the, um, in the SEC, SEC championship, championship game, and I feel like both those teams are competitive. But I feel like Alabama's just far more superior yeah. than those teams. So I'm just like, there's nobody else that you can basically. Florida might be able to give them some go. I mean, they're a lot different than the team that lost to Texas A&M early in the season. <sighs> but I, I, Florida, ah, damn, Az. <laughs> That's when I really got to talk sports, and I can't just talk shit to you. But now nah, that Florida team, man, they, they 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 can be dangerous, so they can make enough plays to make shit happen. I just don't know, like you said, because of Bama being so well polished, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes you really got to catch them on the right day, the right night, the right time, the right, right turnover. <laughs> Everything has to be going at the same time, so it is tough to beat them. Very true. And so, you know, with that, I'm kind of curious to see how it plays out. Um, you know, the college football season has just kind of been some bullshit throughout the season. Definitely. Um, you know, because you got some teams only played three games. You got some teams that are already up to 9, 10, or 11 games. Yeah. So I'm just kind of like, there's just going to be a lot of asterisks, you know, coming out as far as once you crown champions, bowl games, because I know they're already canceling bowl games. Yeah. So I'm just like, it, it, it's kind of been a clusterfuck. But I can just say I appreciate the fact that they at least tried Tried. to make it work. Um, So that way, you know, next year the protocols will be more down, vaccines will be out, and we'll kind of have a more structured plan and set up on how we move forward. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, that that part of college football just was – it kind of took away because, you know, I was really anxious to go to another college football game this season. Um, Because I have, we know we haven't been since we did it. We took a road trip to Charlottesville last year and watched (laughs) Florida State lose to UVA. 
Um, but hey, you, we talk shit to the Virginia players. We was the best motherfuckers on that sideline, baby. <laughs> <laughs> they was responding to us, right? So I mean, also because we were we were easy targets, because you know everybody had the Cavalier colors on, and there's just two motherfuckers down here in you know the garnet and gold, forty five yard line, right down on, on the very first row. So of course hey. the players, you know, they UVA scored a play, and we kind of both had our head down. We looked up, and the niggas was pointing, and laughing at us. So we just like, oh, that's what y'all want to do. So then we scored, and they, you know, we looked. Looking back at them, we're going back and forth, and then we fucking lost. So, you know, fuck Florida State right now. You know, Norvell need to figure that shit out. Um, so in our closing segment, we want to bring up something called Way Back When. Can I stop something one second? Help one yourself. Second. So I do want to say something kind of off. We never talked about this. It's something special going on out in Indiana. What's that? That that football team out there and what that coach is doing, and you see the players, how they're responding to that dude. And they're coming to him while he's doing interviews and just kind of like they want him to talk that shit. He mm-hmm. kind of trying to be modest. But the players, I mean, you see the way they play Ohio State. I mean, they, they were in that. And it's it's something special happening out there in Indiana. And we didn't talk about this. And I kind of wanted to talk about it a little bit. But we ain't got to build a whole segment on this or nothing. But I just wanted to get that out there. Something special is going on out in Indiana. And one of our best receivers actually transferred DJ Matthews, that's where he transferred to. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it's just something with that coach and the way he's treating his players, and it's just it's something really he's special. Got players buying into the yeah, program, man. Yeah. And, and we go back and we talked about that on one of our earlier ep- uh, episodes and believability. And oh yeah, if, if your players believe in you oh, and yeah. what you're talking about, I don't give a fuck if it's a brick wall right there. They're gonna they run, run through, through that. It. Oh yeah. So I, I just wanted to give. He probably will never ever hear this, but. Hey, that dude is out there building something special, and I just hope people take a look at that this year and see what's going on out there in Indiana. I don't care if you got to go back on YouTube and look at their highlights, whatever, but they're building some special things out there. Very true. I can't knock that. We'll say Indiana football has been impressive this year. Um, they'll definitely be interesting to look at next year once everything gets back to normal yeah. to see if they can maintain that, that consistency. For sure. Um, and remember, players. every player can come back. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they already have <laughs> an extra year eligibility. Yeah. right. <laughs> so before I was really interrupted by this light skin because this nigga's drunk, as I stated. No. <laughs> so segment is, is is way back when. It's just a moment where you know we try to reflect on our sports journey, go um, mm. you know, back in our younger guys. Like what was a a moment that you knew you wanted to play football? Like mm-hmm. what was it that you was like, I love football? Mm-hmm. What moment was that? What was it for you? I think for me it was I was about eight years old. And, um, you know, my one of my good friends, um, uh, Gerard Brown. Um, okay, Rob. Yeah, you know, we, we, <laughs> he played football at the time. None of my other friends did. And I mm-hmm. had went with him, you know, to one of the games. And I was watching on TV, but I never really kind of got the actual, like, oh, let's play. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I went and I watched, and I was just like, this shit look fun as shit. Yeah. And, you know, just watching everybody run around and hit. And I'm looking at some of the people on the different teams. I'm like, I know that nigga. I know that nigga. I didn't know you even played football. But it's like, yo, this shit looks fun. Yeah. So the next year, like, I remember I go and I run out and tell my dad. And I was like, I think I want to play football. So, you know, my dad's excited because he's like, finally, I've been waiting for this shit. Yeah. So, you know, I go out that joint. You know, the first couple of practices, of course, you know, I'm a little heavy set. Um, so I'm kind of teetering between red striper, red, strike. red striper, <laughs> and you know regular weight or whatever. Yeah. So you know, I get out there, we get a couple hits, you know, and this, and I'm like, I kind of like it. So it was funny because you know how you get. 
the monotony of hitting your teammates all the time. You kind of know, like, Jimmy's a bitch. Yeah, yeah. I know if I go against this nigga, it's a good matchup. Yeah. Dylan will fuck me up. This nigga's just bigger than everybody. He throw yeah. everybody. So I remember my first time when I took my first and got my bell rung, uh, we were scrimmaging the Eagles. And uh, rest in peace, his name was Dominique Smallwood. Mm. Um, I ran through the line, three straight plays, trying to tackle the quarterback. And they ran some kind of trick play or something. And I ran through that bitch, and I was getting ready to hit the quarterback. And he betrayed my shit. And I remember my head, everything turned gray, and I'm crying, and I don't know where the fuck I'm at. And my dad's pissed because he's like, come the fuck on. I done spent all this goddamn money, and you ready to quit. So it took me a minute, and I kind of figured out where the fuck I was at. And yeah. I was like, I'm, not, I'm straight, I'm cool, I'm cool. So, you know, went back and played, and I was like, yo, this shit is fun. But I was like, I know what I'm not doing again. It's running through that fucking line. Crazy, because that shit hurt. <laughs> so, I mean, like, you know, that was kind of the joy of football because it was just like, you know, being a young kid, you got lots of aggression. You yeah. get angry at times. You don't know why. But it's the perfect, like, controlled chaos to get it out. And that was it for me. And I've, yeah. been, I've been playing since I was nine up till I was 22. So, okay, that did it for me. So, for me... um, well, I was just watching football. Uh, my grandfather got me into it at a young age, uh, that in professional wrestling. But <clears throat> but watching football at a young age and kind of like you, uh, I didn't play. My Well, my I tried to play, but my mother wouldn't let me play until mm-hmm. I was 12. So I was playing in the neighborhood, and uh, it was a kid that had always knew of me, mm-hmm. but he drove his dad down and they were just sitting in the truck. I ain't know this white dude. He just sitting in the truck, but we out in the neighborhood just playing. So they kick it off. You know, it's good old neighborhood ball. I get that joint. And at that time I was, I had some pretty decent speed. Mm-hmm. So I get that thing and take it on back. So uh white man, hop out the truck. White man. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Atwater, thank you very much. I appreciate everything you did for me. So <clears throat> he comes out the truck. Well, at that time, he was just a white man to me. I ain't know him. So <laughs> he comes out the truck and says, "I think I think I think you need to come play football for me." Mm-hmm. So I'm like, "I ain't never played organized ball. Like nobody in my neighborhood plays. They do some different type of things. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying?" So. Mm-hmm. He gets us out there. He tells my mom, don't you worry about no pads. Don't worry about no money. Don't worry about nothing. Your son is going to be all right. Mm -hmm. So we get to our first game. I'm nervous as hell. I ain't never played organized shit. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I just seen it on TV. I'm, you know. So come the end of the game, I had 175 yards, three touchdowns. I'm a nerd. So I said, man, this is beautiful right here. Unfortunately, we lost. We got our ass whooped that whole season. But after that game, man, that changed everything in me. I was actually a lot better baseball player. But after that game, um, it let me know, like, this is is the sport I love. It was kind of like you said, that – that first hit, I kind of like took it and just, you know, lowered your shoulder a little bit and you just had to get that hit in you. Curled up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Once I got that hit, boom, it was like, okay, <coughs> all right, this about to be something different. There was the Bucks. I couldn't remember exactly where they was from, but they was the Bucks. And actually that preseason game against Shady Side, them motherfuckers fucked me up. Mm. So something like you was talking about, like, them yeah. were, they was in the purple, Shady Side. Them niggas got, they fucked me up. <laughs> but against the Bucks, I gave y'all motherfuckers 175 and three. Mm. And that was kind of like my Al Bundy moment as a 12 year old. Hooters, Hooters, <laughs> Hooters. But nah, that was my, um, that was my uh, way back moment though. 
Well, everybody, we we enjoyed you know the, this session, this episode six. We enjoyed you guys who yeah. joined us. Um, you know, anybody who has any specific questions while you're listening, you know, definitely feel free to reach out to myself, DP, or JP. We'll gladly. Um, you know, introduce you guys as questions and answer you questions the next time that we go um, into recording. So another week of spit talk. Have yeah. a good one. We'll holler at you next week. I too.